everybody, it's Aldo Gandhi, and I just want to let you know really quickly that our swag shop is reopened. DeepDishTees.com is where you go, and that's Tees with T-E-E-S. Clever name, guys. They're the new home of our merchandise. You can get t-shirts, you can get caps, you can get coffee mugs, you can get hoodies, you can get all sorts of good stuff, and you'll help out the bar room with the purchase. So head over to DeepDishTees.com. find the following disturbing discretion is advised put the children to bed it's time for dan and aldo to bear their souls i love the chicago bears more than i do masturbating and that is a lot Then, with three seconds left, Bob Avellini throws a 30-something yard touchdown pass to Greg Latta, and the Bears win, and I literally shit my pants. I swear to God, I literally did. <laughs> Eric Kramer, for me, I love the guy. He's a tragic figure. I mean, he embodies all that is. If they don't run the ball here, I'm going to vomit. I swear to God. Look, I don't mean any disrespect. He just didn't play that well. Not for a guy of his caliber. You know, they won, but I'm, I'm going to be miserable all week because they stunk. I don't, I don't really have any recollection of that at all, but I guess perhaps I blacked it all out. So, Dan... Tape is the ultimate tool for scouts and for coaches to evaluate players, to detect plays and so forth. And they spend hours looking at tape, right? Why do they so often get shit wrong? Ladies and gentlemen, Dan and Aldo. Are you going to apply to be the next head coach of the Chicago Bears? No, I am not capable <laughs> of doing that, but I don't think Matt Nagy is either. And it seems that the whole world, if you believe these reports, is suddenly uh, of the same mindset of us. That's right. Uh, I just don't know. I don't know. Do you mind jumping in on that right now? What is your opinion? Do you believe? I want to say one thing before I, I hear your opinion. This news report that had a little bit of credibility because it came with NBC Sports. It had this gigantic error in the article, though, which makes it ruin it ruins the credibility for me. It said that Matt Nagy won the division title in 2018, the first time the Bears had done that since 2008. First off, they didn't win the division title in 08. They didn't make the playoffs in 08. That's the reason they traded for Cutler going into 09. Last time we won the division before Nagy in 18 was 10 with Cutler when we went to the NFC Championship game. How does NBC Sports Chicago or whomever the fuck not know that? Right. But anyway, the well, article seems to intimate that Matt Nagy is going to be fired after tomorrow's or Thursday's game. 
I mean, is that could that be true? It just seems like that's that's got to be bullshit. Well, right? and here's the thing, and we'll hear about this in our media smash up that I've been working on for the last three four hours, only because all this late breaking news. I go, oh shit, I gotta see if the if the radio guys in town talked about this. So I included some of that sound, and so what we will learn during that sound is the guy that wrote this article, and I didn't write his name in front of me, but. He is a Pulitzer Prize winner. And as one of one of the ESPN guys says, well, that doesn't mean anything. <laughs> but he's a P former Pulitzer Prize winner, worked for years in Chicago at the Chicago Sun-Times. And uh, now he's been working at a website called Patch.com. So the guy comes with a lot of credibility. But boy, oh boy, does this smell fictitious to me but uh yeah. either way matt nagy is not long for the job and so if you are in the realty business i would be calling the nagy family as quickly as possible because you could possibly sell a home um do you before before we get into the present day news i want to get your reaction to the bears loss against the ravens because we didn't get a chance to talk much and exchange uh texts and so forth and then when we texted each other yesterday you were like really down in the dumps tell us about that god i was man uh Thankfully, some pussy brought me out of the, 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 the woodwork. <laughs> well, I'll tell you about that at the end of the show. But, uh, yeah, so I watched the game on Sunday, and I made the comment. I always – I stole this line from Pulp Fiction like 30 years ago now. Uh, it's like when – you remember when Jimmy is at the garage, they call in the wolf, and they're cleaning up the car. Mm -hmm. At the end of Pulp Fiction, when uh, – Travolta shoots Marvin in the back, you know, in the face. <laughs> That's awesome stuff. Yes. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So uh, Harvey Keitel says, okay, gentlemen, we can't start sucking each other's dicks just yet. We're not <laughs> exactly. out of this shit. So exactly. I've been saying that since 1994 or whatever. <laughs> That's a great line. So when uh, Goodwin scored, uh, everyone was boisterous and celebrating. And again, I was just talking to Holly, whom I was watching the game with. I said, we can't start sucking each other's dicks just yet. But for some reason... The one thing that I did feel at that moment is we're going to win this game. I felt like as much as I rag on the defense, they had like five, six sacks. Uh, I was like, thank God they don't have to, uh, you know, uh, kick a field goal here. They have to score a touchdown. I was like, we're going to win this. But just the craziness of Matt Nagy, if there's one sequence that embodies like all of his ineptitude as a head coach. So they go to kick the extra point and then waste a timeout, and then suddenly line up to go for two instead when they could have kicked it off and basically had a touchback. Yes. Uh, so they go for two from the one-yard line, and once again, they don't fucking run it. You have one yard to go, and they try some stupid pass. But even if they got it, they're still only up six. What difference does it make if you're up five or six? A touchdown still beats you. What's the point? Just kick it and not waste your time out there. But to answer your question, when they lost, I was just in, in the fucking dumps, man. Like, I was just like, I, I could believe it, but I didn't want to believe it. I sat in the, my, my living room in the dark with no dialogue, no lights, nothing for like four hours after the game. Wow. Did, were you turning just, on and off the light like, like those psychos do? <laughs> no, <laughs> I just sat there. I was like, and then I thought I was going to go see a movie, and, I, and I'm about to go to the movie. Cause I'm like, I just got to get out of the house and the fucking theater had a COVID outbreak that night. 
and they had to close it down and said that they're going to be closed for two or three days for cleaning because one of their employees tested positive. So I'm like, well, fuck, I'll go exercise. And then it starts raining, like raining like a monsoon. So well, I don't want to do that. <laughs> so I ended up just working out inside my house. But needless to say, Sunday, I was really down. And even into Monday. Un um, but, until. Uh, things, <laughs> things improved late Monday night, early Tuesday morning. We'll That's talk right. about that later. I cannot wait to hear Dan's latest sex story because it's fresh. I mean, you can smell. It's fresh. Thing. I had some just a few hours ago. Too, so. <laughs> this, is, the rock is cooking. <laughs> this is an adult Chicago Bears sex uh, food movie. We're like Howard Stern, man. Come on. <laughs> yes. I just want to warn people because I. I accidentally, in the beginning, I, we've got this video rolling, and then I put this kind of parental discretion thing on, but, but I was, I put a comment, somebody's comment from the chat room, over the parental discretion. So there could be kids listening right now, and they're saying, Mommy, why is he talking about sex? What is that? But So put those kids remember, to bed. <laughs> do you remember our very first episode? I don't remember what we talked about. The very first Bear Our Souls, and this guy on YouTube just was like, killing us for being filthy yeah 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 comments. you remember that <laughs> yes it was almost funny it was almost worth it now you don't want to offend anybody but this right. dude was so appalled yes. that it, it, it was actually funny but yes anyway. I, i've over the years uh doing uh, a bunch of shows here at the barroom network previously bears barroom I've, you know, looked at comments from some of our shows and some, some people just, I can't believe the language. I can't believe some of the things that I heard. I will never come back and listen to this stuff. And, and, you know, Hey, we were trying to tell you that this is uh this can get, uh, I, sometimes I hate to call it an adult because we're acting like juveniles, but it is what but it the is. Best, that's the best thing about it though. Like, you know, if, if you don't want to have off the cuff language, you can listen to the score. You can, I don't want to sound like Joe Biden during the fucking primaries. And he's like, if you don't like me, just vote for somebody else. <laughs> right. But it's kind of that way. You can listen to the score. You can listen to WGN. You can listen to ESPN. You know, if, if you don't want to, if you want the FCC regulating the show there, you have alternatives, right? There's a lot of fantastic stuff available that is straight journalistic style stuff and and going all the way to the other end of the spectrum there are shows like ours where we, we you know tell fart jokes and listen on the way uh just before the start of the show i went upstairs to get something and my wife man when she focuses on a tv show she is focused so i say to her good night sweetheart i'll see you tomorrow because I, you know by the time we're halfway through the show she's already in bed sleeping and she's just looking at the tv like a dateline episode or something i don't know what the hell she was watching and so I, good night honey good night and then she doesn't respond i said okay i'll come on your face later tonight <laughs> <laughs> she didn't respond I go, okay, I got away with that one. Although she's probably not pleased that I mentioned that on the air. <laughs> <laughs> you have a very nice wife. Very, she lets she's me not get away with it. to you, but at least to my uh, to our faces, I think she would smile. But who knows? <laughs> I hope so. All right. So here's what I did with the media smash up. I started with comments from the local radio media about the game. <laughs> the stuff from Ed Obradovich is absolute fucking gold. It is gold. Then I worked my way to some of the stuff that the radio stations in town covered uh, on Monday, you know, the after, after effects. And then 
we catch up with all the latest news that Matt Nagy may be fired. And after uh, we play that, then we'll get some sound bites how Nagy handled the issue because the news was leaked before his press conference, which stuff like that never usually works, but uh, it did for, for us. And uh, we'll listen to Nagy talk about it. We'll listen to Chris Tabor talk about it. And one of the players will also comment on it. And then we're going to go back in history because we, I asked Dan to come up with some of the worst teams uh, in Chicago Bears history that he recalls and so forth. So I want to hear what he's got. And I also want to go back to the fiasco that was the Dave McGinnis hiring, so-called hiring. And so we'll talk a little bit about that. And I've got some video to accompany that. So Dan, uh, if you don't have anything, I'll go ahead and start right away with the media smash-up. I'm, I'm here, man. Like I told you, I was so crestfallen after the Bears loss on Sunday that I literally didn't listen to anything. Awesome. Like, that's why All I asked this. you. I was like, man, if you're okay with doing the media, I don't even want to hear anything. Like I was that down. I haven't heard anything. So anything you play – Jesus God, I've knocked some shit down here. <laughs> I, I, anything you play, you're gonna play is gonna be fresh to me because I've followed nothing since the game. And and Dan, I know exactly how you feel. There are times when many times when the Bears lose, I just stay away from the media, man. I ha I stay away. And now with fucking social media and stuff, you know, it, it's it's it, it's made it even worse because you'll run into a tweet and then you want to get into a fight with the guy. I can't believe you said that, blah, blah, blah. So yeah, you did the right thing, and and the fact that you got laid the day later, that that I'm really proud of you, brother. <laughs> uh, I'm more proud of her. But <laughs> <laughs> okay, ladies and gentlemen, without further ado, here is this week's edition of the Media Mashup. This is the Matt Nagy idiocy of this era, flying at half staff in the breeze twisting and turning this kid tyler huntley goes 26 of 36 219 yards one interception but he masterminds a 10.4 quarter after the first three quarters were so full of an aptitude that nobody could get out of their own way but when it mattered guess what we made mistake after mistake and Serve this thing up. Our backs are up against the wall. We knew what we had to do. And you find out just before the game that Lamar Jackson is not playing. Okay? This should not have been a contest today, especially with our defense. But if you want to go from quarter to quarter to quarter, what again? What have I been telling you people with this naggy offense year after year after year? What we wind up on third down conversion? One of nine? One of 12? What was it? It wasn't good. It wasn't good. And, and so you got to convert. Why do you convert? You eat up the clock. And the most important thing, you put points on the board. What a game for us to lose and the way we lost it. It's just a damn shame. Two for 11 is the answer. Two for Two 11. For 11. Okay, You're going to lose a go. football game, okay? Yeah. There's a ton of horrible losses in Nagy's life, but this, this one has to be uh, at the top. Tell Does you. this remind you of Tressman up in Green Bay? Oh, my God. After giving up 50 here to New England, he goes up there and they give up. I mean, doesn't it have the same smell, the same smell? If you won that game, I think we would still be saying the same thing about what we learned about this coaching staff yesterday. But at least the loss is not just significant because it confirms everything we saw. But to ownership, to everybody else, that is the record. The record is indicative of this team and what we're seeing. But 
when you tweeted yesterday the sequence that I think is just the Bears under Matt Nagy in a nutshell. Punt team comes on. Nagy calls timeout. Panic on the sideline regarding his headset. Offense hurries back on the field. Fourth and one wildcat play goes for no gain, plus a holding penalty. Ravens start in Bears territory. Scene. That's your play, right? That's your that's your moment. Uh, I, I just, you know, these coaches are almost to a fault too detail oriented, right? Like they, I, I don't know if there's a profession that like over prepares and overworks themselves like football coaches do. So to me, to be in that situation and not know automatically that what you're going to do after that third and one play, like why, why does it matter if the headset went out? Who cares? Like you should know right then and there what you're doing. And, and same thing on the, on the going for two. Once you get the ball in that situation and you're driving, you know if you're going to go for two. Right? How many times have you watched a game where a team scores a touchdown, the camera goes right to the head coach, and immediately shows one or two fingers in the air? Like th- th- that's how you know good good coaches understand that. Like there shouldn't be you shouldn't have to be well there was a penalty and there was celebrating and we were just trying to get everything sorted out. No, like you should know right then and there as the drive started what you're going to do. And and it's just it just it, you know it, it, it reeks on you know of a, of a lack of preparation. For people who, you know, pride themselves on over-preparing for these things. You know what it was to me, Kevin? It was the latest explosion of the myth of collaboration. Or, or if you want to read it differently, the frightening truth of collaboration. Because that's the word that they've used to diffuse all responsibility, to cravenly hang on to their jobs last time around. It's everybody's fault. It's nobody's fault. It's all the scouts. It's all everything. And in that moment, when all you need is a coach, all you need is someone in charge of an NFL team, the most rigid militaristic simulacrum that we still have of that kind of structure Outside of the actual military, all you need is a coach. And when when his magic headset turned off, there went the everybody. There went all the collaboration. There went all the the, the voices. And all you should be able to do it, it's like at the end of Star Wars. Luke, turn off your targeting computer. You know, take, turn off your targeting computer. Take it off and 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 you know, put those things right in the exhaust port. They can't do it. They can't. They just they couldn't do it. I was selling people a bill of goods off the second half of the Pittsburgh game and Baltimore's pass defense and their injuries on defense and the Bears being at home coming off of a bye. I got to be honest with you. I did not see that offensive stinker coming. Why do you think they were so terrible yesterday offensively? Oh, I just think a young kid trying to handle a blitz for the Baltimore Ravens is like impossible. I mean, the Jets face the Miami Dolphins. They kind of do the same thing yesterday. And they didn't want to put Mike White or Zach Wilson out there, so they put Joe Flacco out there. And much like Joe Flacco yesterday, Andy Dalton, when he finally got in the game yesterday, actually did well and moved the ball well and was able to navigate the blitz, especially in 4th and 12. I don't know what the hell Wink Martindale was thinking about on 4th and 12, just letting uh, Andy Dalton float one out there uh, for an easy touchdown pass. But, I mean, that's that's part of the learning process of a, a young player. You know, yesterday before the game, when we found out Lamar Jackson was not playing, you know, I picked the Bears. I, I figured, okay, the Bears got Justin Fields. They got a little mojo. They're playing against one of the worst pass defenses in football. One of the reasons they're one of the worst pass defenses in football is because I think that Wink Martin, their defensive coordinator, tends to be a little bit reckless at times. 
And I know it's all about the blitz, and that's how Rex Ryan used to, you know, coach down there. And that's kind of the history and the fabric and the foundation of that team. But, my God, you, you make so many, like, boneheaded mistakes that you allow other teams to have 20 or more yards passing uh, more than any other team in the league uh, in terms of plays like that. So uh, that's why I picked the Bears to win yesterday. And then when Justin went out, I thought even more so that they would win because I figured Andy would be able to handle some of the blitzes because he's seen them when he was in Cincinnati. And I thought he did okay. He played fine. But, you know, to, to allow Tyrell Huntley to – take the ball down the field at the end of the game in a game in which you basically shut him down for the most part, except for some of the broken plays. You know, that's inexcusable. And, and this is a team that, you know, is coming off of a bye. They should have been better you know, prepared. They should have been ready to play. And uh, I know Roquan Smith and, and, uh, and uh, Quinn were ready to go. They, they played their asses off. And for the most part, the defense played great. But man, that's a game you got to win. You, it's inexcusable. And, and I, I hate to say it, but, you know, it is on the coaching staff, especially, you know, when you're playing against a, a kid that's never played in a league before, has never really played in a game. And, you know, you know he's struggling out there, and you allow him to beat you like, the way that they did. That's that's what makes this one so tough. This what time. happened to our quarterback? He had to leave because of ribs. How many times did we have called quarterback runs today? I know of at least four. Yeah, here's five. We've got a kid who fields who who we believe everybody seems to believe that he's the future of the Bears. Okay, with running quarterbacks, there, bad things usually happen. Okay, well this kid could pass. I think he's an accurate passer. He's got to learn to put a little arc under the ball a little bit more. But but it's all going to come, and not only today, but two weeks ago. You know what their offensive what Nagy. And and Lazur are doing. They're designing running plays for who? Our quarterback, Justin Fields, the future of our team. Now, the last time I checked, there's an offensive line, and they're supposed to block and open holes. Then the next thing that I remember, there are people who are on a Bears uniform. They're called halfbacks. They're called running backs that you pay millions of dollars to to run the football. And you're going to design running plays for him? It's not bad enough that he gets whacked every other play when he passes. Now you want to put him in a running situation on a design play? You moron! This was like the job of a lifetime, and he came in here with high hopes. They had a great year. I understand what's happened and how it's unfolded, but this isn't Ryan Pace seven years hiding in a in an upstairs office and apparently like whispering sweet nothings to all of the the upper administration. I I mean, he's the guy. You, you want to start chanting things? Start looking at roster construction. You know, you got to wonder how you play in the NFL without cornerbacks. And I just think that it's it, there are other targets here. This is people going for the easy target, and that's great. And and you know, I'm sure he hasn't done enough to keep his job, and that will catch up to him. But good God, it's been seven years of roster construction, of traded picks, of of over over selling, over signing, uh, all sorts of free agents. Look at look at everything that's going on, and and nobody nobody at Hallis Hall is above any kind of criticism. And, and don't don't let people throw you a bone and and think that you know if you make one change you're going to change anything uh in the in the actual uh, way this team is run it, it just it disappoints me that there isn't more ambition among the fans i think one thing that you have to really 
keep a close eye on here and consider when you when you think about them rebooting this program at the end of the season is depending on what they do with some of these guys that have big contracts and that are a little bit older, by the time the dust settles and before they get to adding players to the roster, that's going to be the real issue here. They're going to be down to maybe 30 or so guys under contract moving ahead to 2022. And that doesn't include the you know reserve futures guys that are signed at the end of the season. So the cap space that they're going to have, that they're going to be able to create, that's great, but, but you're going to have a ton of holes to fill on that roster. Some real key spots. And, and if you talk about going out and buying a number one wide receiver, if you need to address uh, a cornerback position with the starter, if you need uh, offensive line help, that that uh, that cap space you have is going to be whittled down pretty quickly. And you've got a hit. You've got a hit when you go out into the free agent market. And as we know, I mean, there's a uh, there's a swing and miss ratio with that, just as there is with the NFL draft where the Bears are going to be short on picks this coming spring. If Justin Fields is a player, they're going to be able to kind of patch this together, and he's going to raise the level of the players uh, around him, and things will get very interesting. But they've got a lot of heavy lifting to do uh, ahead of them, and, and I don't see this as a, uh, as a quick reboot if they make – uh, changes in leadership. Half of the games they've played since 2019, they have failed to score an offensive touchdown in the first half. Like the ineptitude. Look, you know how I have felt all along about the. I, I, I have always felt that they are more inclined to remain status quo because they like these guys. But as always, as I've always said, like, look, I don't think. I think if they're a seven and ten team and they. The young quarterback is playing and progressing. They don't want to make changes because they're uncomfortable. They don't have an appetite for it. Unless things go sideways and it's a disaster. 30% of their games have been pure disasters. Cleveland was a disaster. Tampa Bay was a disaster. And yesterday was a disaster. Well, add Green Bay. Once you put Green Bay. Green, well, Aaron Rodgers. Well, what do you That's mean? That's not a disaster. Aaron Rodgers on national TV is yelling that he owns you. You have gone five. The game wasn't a disaster. But you went, you've gone five. Isn't just the disaster of not being competitive with your rival that care about your five and twenty-two against Aaron Rodgers in his career. Well, they're significantly better than you. I'm talking about on display, watching complete and total. That wasn't complete and total ineptitude compared to Cleveland and Tampa and some of the things yesterday. And we talked on Friday and even Thursday as well. Like good measuring stick came in because you want to be. Like, set your sights on being something like the Baltimore Ravens. And look what they did yesterday. They, they lose their quarterback two hours before the game starts. We think we have injuries. There's no Khalil Mack. There's no, uh, there's no, uh, Akeem Hicks. There's no Eddie Jackson. There's no Allen Robinson. They've got as many injuries or, or, or more than we do. Right. And they found a way. They were more disciplined than us. They found a way because they're a well coached team to get a victory on the road. And it just was, once again, it was on full display. So, look, as I have always maintained my position that I think that they are always inclined to remain status quo, this is over. Like, the disasters are numerous. 
there hasn't been one disaster. There's been at least three disasters. And if you go to Detroit and lose to the Lions on Thursday, that's a fourth disaster. I will be tremendously shocked if change doesn't take place at the end of this year. I don't expect it to happen. Even if they lose to the, the Lions on Thursday, I don't expect them to make a change. Because I don't... How does how does Ryan Pace go in there and make that? It's BS. Like we're not gonna keep talking. Like we gotta find ways to win. We gotta just get it done. I mean, whatever it is. I mean, like I said, whatever it is. But there's nothing to keep coming in here and talking about and having all these raw raw speeches. Like we've had five weeks of raw raw speeches. So I mean, I don't think that talking is anything that we need to be doing. Dave, good morning. How are you? I'm doing good. You know, that was um, that was an interesting little uh, sound bite there from Jalen Johnson, but it doesn't doesn't really surprise me. You know, we don't know if the rah-rah talks, I mean, is he referring to Matt Nagy? Is he referring to the defensive coordinator? Is is he referring to some of his defensive players or offensive players? You know, so we don't know who, but I, I think at the end of the day, the bottom line is that you know, right now they they got to win a football game, and there there's as much frustration on the team about being able to close out a game and win a game as there is with the fans and I'm sure ownership and everybody else. So uh, I was kind of glad to hear that. I mean, I I would have been very disappointed if the guy walked up there and said, you know what, we'll bounce back this week. The attitude's good with the players. Uh, everybody is, uh, everybody's going to get focused and we're going to go beat Detroit. You know, I mean, how would you feel if he said that? So I liked what he said. It, it is what it is. I, I listened to Tom Thayer yesterday and, and my man Olin Krutz because I wanted to truly get, get their spin on it. And Olin and I do some work together and Tom's as close as anybody. And, and he's, he's about broken down right now. I mean, it, it, uh, I know Tom pretty well and, yeah, I can hear it in his voice and hear his comments. He's uh, he he's just about on his knees, and uh, that's uh, that's a tough situation. If you get Tom there in that mindset, it's uh, you're uh, you're you're really struggling, and obviously that's where we're at. Right, so let me give you the background. Give the history here. Mark Conkle is a long time, as we say in Chicago, a long time guy. Long time guy. Mark Conkle has covered politics in this town. He's been a columnist. He's been a reporter. A lot of years with the Chicago Sun-Times. Um, he has won a Pulitzer back in 2011. Decorated um, journalist. He's a journalist, yeah. yes. He's a guy that isn't some Twitter guy who is just throwing something out there that this you would wet think. This isn't wet butt 12. Well, I mean, but again, wet butt in 2021 in good sources or 2017 when this happened. Who are you to question wet butt these days? It's a good question. So Mark Henkel is a guy like who's got a who knows how to work a story that isn't just going to get a phone call and someone whispering in his ear and say, hey, Conkle, I hear that Nagy is out. And his report was that the Bears have told have told Matt Nagy that he's fired, but he's going to coach Thursday um, because of the short week. And then after Thursday's game, when they've got extra time to regroup before their next game, then then they'll officially announce it. But like supposedly the story was the con- that they say that the Bears and Nagy Nagy's been fired but we'll coach and it won't go public until Friday. Just because he's a nice guy, right? He's just going to stay in the role, but 
Seems weird. Seems yeah. like a weird. I don't know why you tell the coach that this is the end of the line for him. If you were going to make this, if you had made your decision and you just didn't want to do it as an organization because it's a short week, I don't know why you'd add this into the mix. I don't know why you'd add uh, this distraction now right. for the team and everything else. You're going to play an absolutely dreadful Lions team that has two wins in its last 20 games. And now you're going to. You you, you you know this stuff doesn't stay private. You know it's going to leak. I mean, who do you who are you kidding? You tell the coach, you possibly tell the coach that this is his last game. I, I can't believe that they do something so not only stupid. That, Carm, not only that, but you set up a situation when you didn't fire both parties. Okay, you didn't fire both parties. You set up a situation now where the general manager is giving a new head coach a one year quarterback that he may or may not want. Same way with Trubisky. When they, they, they drafted Trubisky when Fox was here, fired Fox, they brought Matt Nagy in. So one of the first questions is, is Justin Fields going to be your quarterback when you interview the next head coach, right? Yeah. Right? So you've set up the same scenario. History repeats itself with the Chicago Bears. Okay? Your general manager did something. He drafted a quarterback. You fired the head coach that was supposed to develop that quarterback you're going to bring in a new coach that has to take Justin Fields as the quarterback. Yeah. Okay, same scenario, right? Same it situation. Is. It is. History repeating itself. Didn't work the first time. Do you go about the business of making sure that it does work this time, that you hire a coach that you know is a 100% Justin Fields supporter? Does that mean the head coach at, at Ohio uh, State University uh, yeah, becomes right. That's your the guy? guy? How do, how do you will be done, uh, what, January 12th, whenever yeah. the championship game is? Yes. I mean, like, that. that's that's a good point, York. Like, isn't that the only guy you can Really? Sure? You really pigeonholed a, yourself, right. didn't you? Because the coach is going to say, oh, yeah, sure, I'm a Justin Fields guy. There's 32 of these jobs. Yeah. This is the coach of the charter franchise of the National Football League you're talking about here. This is one of the like primo, right? I mean like this is it. Like what is the coach going to the coach is going to be like, "Nah. I'll pass." I I don't know. I mean, unless you're Josh McDaniels and you know your situation in a lot of ways is golden because of where you are, what you have around you. Right. Like, how many coaches, I, I mean, because he walked away from the indie job, right? Like, we, how many right. coaches walk away from NFL jobs, you know? I mean, like, the coach is going to say, oh, sure, I love Justin right. Fields, right. just like Matt Nagy was so like, oh, yeah, Mitch thing. Trubisky, of course. Big- wow. Was that a lot? <laughs> Dan, you the still with me? The thing that stuck out to me the most uh-huh. was something that I personally wanted to mention, so I would give her credit, and I always fuck up her name. The lady that was in there in the loop on uh, the score. Layla. Yeah, I mess up her name, too. Uh, Yeah, well, she mentioned the fact that, you know, you come out on fourth down after you waste a timeout again and run that fucking Wildcat play. (laughs) And the Wildcat hasn't worked since 2008 Mm -hmm. when it was suddenly a fad because Miami (laughs) beat New England with it when they didn't have Tom Brady in 08 when they had Matt Castle. But suddenly... You know, the Bears are getting innovative. They're using the Wildcat from 20 years ago. Mm-hmm. On fourth, then just give Montgomery the ball. And then that one instance, he, like Romo pointed out, he had the first down and then made the wrong cut. It's just there's so many things there. Uh, if we want to, I don't want to direct the, the ship here, but okay. uh, to go back to the Nagy 
coaching thing. Yeah, let me let me quickly say uh, sure, Layla Rahimi is her name. Uh, she is the co-host with Dan Bernstein on the Bernstein Rahimi show that you can listen to on 670. And we appreciate ESPN and 670 for allowing us to use those clips, although I never really asked. So I'm assuming that they allowed it. The other thing I wanted to say is that particular play, I think, could work. And in fact, they had positive yards out of the wild card, wild, wildcat. The two issues are is that Montgomery made the wrong decision as to where to run. There wasn't a hole in the middle of the line, which is where he was headed. He should have bounced it out to the left because there was plenty of blocking. There was a lane towards the sideline where he could have easily picked up the first down and many more yards. So that was an execution decision. The problem from a coaching standpoint is that – they like like was was talked about on uh, by uh, Hampton or, or one of the radio guys. They they screwed it up. They messed up the timing. They messed up the whole thing because the headsets didn't work. They should have known already that they were going to play it. They should have had that play ready to go. They should have signaled it. It destroyed the momentum to come out after a timeout, and now you're in the wild card. It just destroyed the momentum. It's like you know you you need. A pace. You need a rhythm when you're on offense. And they just screwed themselves up. They did it multiple times. They called three timeouts when the clock was already stopped. What are you doing? What are you doing? Like, like draft Dr. Phil used to say, what are you doing? <laughs> so it's just a comedy of errors. And, um, I, I, and it can't come soon enough for me. You know, I, I hate to talk about a man losing his job, and it has become really embarrassing. I mean, it's not only the, the uh, national media, but it's uh, the fans at the Chicago Bulls uh, stadium booing Matt Nagy and, and chanting, the fire Matt Nagy. Listen to this. team that went to the uh, Olympics in 88, John Thompson, late great John Thompson, good strong move, was the Olympic coach there, and uh, the United States finished third. Right on the foul. His second foul and the first on the Pacers in the fourth. And then that happened at Nagy's son's football yeah, game. That, you know, the That's Bears sad. fans, including me, including you, we all have to have a little bit more class than that. <laughs> if you recall, Tressman's daughter got attacked. Yeah, that was awful. By uh, people on Twitter uh, back in the day as well. In yeah. his last season with us in 14, I mean, you got to stay away from. I, maybe I'm sounding like a cliche here, but to me, someone's kids are off limits. Mm -hmm. You don't fuck with anybody's children and harass them and yell shit like your dad. You know, blows homeless men for money. Whatever they're saying, yeah. you know, he's the worst coach ever. Like, leave the fucking children alone. What was I mean, interesting is Yurko on ESPN. He disagreed with that opinion. He said, "Who cares? It's, it's not a big deal." So, so they did it in front of the kid. All right, so it happened. Move on. Just go on. And I can see it from that point of view. Point of view, but I, I also think it's disrespectful. The guy. He, you know, he's there to see his son. The family's there. It shouldn't have happened. Now, the school for the 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 team that were the, the fans that were the student fans that were chanting that they issued an apology and said, you know, those typical stuff. We don't uh, condemn that. We don't condone it. I, I should say. So, you know, I don't know. I, I'm a little bit split on that because I, I like to joke around. So, <laughs> well, let's just say hypothetically, and I would throw this at me, but I'm still I'm not married right now, so I'm not trying to play 
uh, throw this at you, but just because you are married, what if for some reason your wife was a presence on Twitter and they didn't like what we were doing specifically on this show? And they were like, you know, Mrs. Gandia, your your husband's a foul mouth and that fucker he works with, fuck him too. We hate Dan. You know, and they were just coming after your wife. You'd be like, dude, leave my wife alone. She has nothing to do with it. I feel like wives and kids should should be out of it. I, I agree. I, I personally never involve wives and kids. But, but that is apples and oranges. I mean, these were a bunch of kids at this high school football game saying, fire Matt Nagy. They weren't saying, fucking Matt Nagy, come and suck my cock, you son of a bitch, yeah, motherfucker. you're right. You're right. I'll give you that. No, that felt good saying all that. <laughs> the Trustman situation, they were going after her with a bunch of vulgar shit on Twitter, though. Yeah. Uh, I can't remember true. specific. It's true. It was seven years ago. Yes. The, but the, uh, she was getting accosted by Bears fans, and we we got to be better. Than yeah, that. absolutely. They were they were uh, involved. I think because uh, weren't their sisters? Uh, Trustman had uh, daughters, and I think yeah. they were heavily involved in social media. So you know, in that situation, almost a parent should say, "Listen, I know you know this isn't a great thing for you, but given my job and given the circumstances of my profession." You might want to stay off social media or use an alias because you might be a target for some of these idiots. It's uh, it's sad. We're on the flip side. When Lovey's son got in all that trouble, it'd be like someone targeting Lovey. Mm -hmm. Saying like, you must have done a shitty job because look at your fucking son. And when, uh, when his son's a grown man and is not a reflection of Lovey's parenting at all at this mm -hmm. point. Yep. So I wanted to get your point of view on some of the comments that were made in the media mashup. First of all, Hampton said that it smelled of uh, Mark Trespin, the back-to-back uh, 50-point -back uh, losses to the Patriots uh, at Soldier Field, and then after a bye week, going to Green Bay and losing, uh, the Packers put up a 50-burger on the Bears. Do you feel the same way that in your gut does it feel as uh, miserable a time as that time with Matt? Uh, excuse me, uh, Mark Trestman? The truth is, at the time, I didn't make that comparison on Sunday at all. Mm -hmm. But when I heard Dan say it in the mashup there, I thought about it. and was like, well, I, I literally thought of, you know, gave it when he was saying it. I was like, maybe it's because, you know, the two losses with Pittsburgh and Baltimore kind of make you think that, okay, this guy's done now. There's no way around it. And that's the way everyone felt for Tressman at that time. So maybe that was what he meant because on paper, Mm -hmm. You know, the two losses aren't the same at all. Mm -hmm. 50 point, 50 burgers two weeks in a row versus two games you could have won but lost it within the last minute. Mm -hmm. So and those situations aren't congruent at all. But I guess because of what they represent was Hampton's point. So I will concede to see. I, I see where he's coming from. That's not the analogy I would have jumped at. But, uh, yeah, I mean, every everyone, there is, like you said, whether it's students at a game or, you know, at the United Center for the Bulls game, it's just there is momentum now that he's not going to survive. But the thing I keep coming back to is, is he really going to be fired on Friday? And if so, why would they tell him before the game? Well, yeah, I mean, that 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 leads me to the whole Dave McGinnis thing, but I don't want to go there yet. Let's continue to talk about the mashup. So my, my thoughts on the Trestman thing is that I, I had that feeling Sunday on the Bear football show, our after game show, 
but but it was different feeling when when the Bears lost those two games against the Patriots and the Packers. To me, that was like an explosion of embarrassment, anger, um, just you know, talk about not wanting. I don't. I, I don't think I saw anything that was reported in the, in the media for three, four days after each of those games. I was so, so pissed off and grumpy and so forth. This team, it's been a slow buildup to that very similar feeling. So, but but it's that feeling has been spread out now over the, this five-game losing streak that it's almost numbed me. You know, I was pissed off and I was angry at the way the Bears lost on Sunday, but at the same time, I, I wasn't my usual grumpy, angry <laughs> TV remote throwing Aldo. <laughs> so yeah, and Heidi was there. Yeah, she and was. Heidi was like, uh, you know, kind of like, oh, okay, and was all right with it too. And mm -hmm. like, again, conversely, I told you I was in the fucking dumps. Man, it was awful. By the way, I'm seeing Heidi tomorrow, uh, so. I'm going to uh, bring my camera along and see if we can get her to send a message out to all the butterflies. Um, That's outstanding. Kevin Fishbane says during the media mashup there, he confirmed, he said, this confirms what we knew about the coaching staff. Really? You needed confirmation, Kevin? Come on. <laughs> yeah, I agree with your point on that. <laughs> and, and then he says, you know, coaches can be too detail-oriented, the, the coaches at Hallis Hall. Well, no. I mean, apparently they're not. <laughs> they didn't. Uh, they didn't take into account. Wait. Well, what happens if the headsets go out? What do What do we do? Do we have to burn a timeout? No. <laughs> Other coaches are just prepared for everything. You think the Patriots coach uh, Brian uh, Belichick? He's not prepared for everything. Remember that one Monday night game where he had his center? They were going to punt from inside their own end zone. He had the, the the center snap the ball over the punter's head. They took the two point safety because they knew that was you think that Matt Nagy would think of something like that you think Chris Tabor would think about something like that I don't think so I don't no, think so absolutely not <laughs> you know who would have though anybody coaching Green Bay during this fucking 30 year run of killing us <laughs> whether right. it's Mike Sherman Mike Holmgren Mike McCarthy that little boy that's coaching up there now I don't <laughs> I don't even know what his name is. The flower, the flower. Whatever he is, like he's a French Canadian or something. I don't know where the fuck he's from. But that the little boy that's coaching there now, they would all, they would all have something like that, and all of our Bears cultures would be completely stunned and shocked, mm -hmm. with the exception of Ditka and maybe Wani. Mm -hmm. And I'll even say that for Lovey, because Lovey didn't exactly make great adjustments against Green Bay either. The times that he won. He just had the better team and we won, you know, but like when it was close, you know, I mean, you know, look at the NFC championship game as an example. Right. <laughs> anyway, we don't need to go off onto that tangent. You know, one, one more thing real quick and we'll get back to your, sure. your, your uh, cluster. I don't know if you caught this during the game and I was talking during throughout the game because again, I was watching it with, with uh, a female there. Uh, but one of the things I heard on the broadcast and I was like, are you fucking serious? So Tony Romo, is going through just the litany of history of our defense. I don't again if you if you heard this, this would be an infuriating to you. Mm -hmm. So he's like, you know, hey, you got Buddy Ryan, you know, and uh, Mike Singletary and Dick Buck, you know, mm -hmm. and he threw Mel Tucker's name in there. Really? Like, 
Yeah, and like this lineage of great coordinators and defense in Chicago. I was thinking, fuck, Mel Tucker. They had the worst two defenses in the history of the Bears 100 plus year organization under Mel Tucker's watch. Mm-hmm. The two years he was a coordinator. You're going to put him in that lineage mm-hmm. of great defense? Yep. He should be the poster boy of this is what happens to great defense when they have shit coaches. <laughs> like, mm. I don't care if he's done well in college subsequently or not. He was horrible with the Bears. Yeah. Horrible. It, and he didn't have the roster. I mean, uh, they had let the defensive stars on that roster age, and they were coming to a point where they weren't playing at their prime anymore. They had no respect for the head coach. So guys like Lance Briggs are asking to, for a few days off at the start of restaurant. training camp so he can attend the opening of his barbecue restaurant. And by the way, Lance, that barbecue must be great because you look like you weigh 400 pounds. Now, wow. <laughs> he does look big. But um, it, 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 there was just a total, you know, Mel Tucker Made, also made the mistake of saying, yeah, I'll coach Lovey Smith's offense or defense. You should never force a coach to coach somebody else's defense. He should have been allowed to in, in, in implement his own style, his own defenses. He should have had control of that defense. He should have had a big say over roster and so forth. It was totally unfair to bring him in and have him salvage that season with that terrible defense. I have said before and I'll say it again tonight that that team that first year team with Mark Trestman could have maybe have gone to the playoffs and made some damage if they would have brought in a defensive coordinator who and even maybe Mel Tucker and allowed that uh, coordinator to do things his way Uh, but that was not the case there were some bad one time that the Bears should have said look you have to run the system that was here already is to Vince Tobin Mm mm-hmm if you tell Vince Tobin, look, you're our new coordinator, but you're running buddies, uh, you're running buddies D. Mm-hmm. You're going to keep blitzing. You're going to keep bringing the house, and and uh, we're going to keep intimidating people. Then maybe you can win the Super Bowl, even if McMahon's hurt. But you know, again, we're talking about something almost 40 years ago. Now, <laughs> so. It's like yesterday to me, brother. <laughs> yeah, I mean that's where was, uh, the sad thing is us for, for us Bear fans. That's what we remember so much is things like that because. <gasps> what we've been given throughout the majority of our lives is exactly what we're experiencing right now. Yeah. I've been uh, over the last few days, I've been uh, recalling things in bears history that are all negative. (laughs) There's there's just nothing that pops to mind. That's good news right now, but I wanted to get to OB uh, Ed Obradovich. I remember the first time I saw him, it was on NFL Films, and he was talking in that deep baritone voice and that macho attitude, and he was talking about, we were men. We were men, and we played hard, and we did this. And I fell in love with him already. All right, that guy is a guy that I want to either have in the foxhole with me or go for, for drinks at a bar or just be my buddy because this guy is a bad motherfucker. Yeah. And, but I totally disagree with him about the Justin Fields uh, running place. The reason you brought Justin Fields here is to run some plays with his legs. One of the reasons he looked good against the Steelers in that second half was because he was using his legs. Now, I'm not saying, you know, you, 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 you're going to risk, you know, calling plays up the middle or, you know, uh, high risk plays for injury, but you got to use 
the multi-dimensional aspects that he possesses, especially now while he's trying to learn the intricacies of reading defenses pre and post snap, and then being accurate in a league where the windows are much tighter than they were in college football. So I disagree with OB on that. You got to call some run plays. The situation was, you know, um, he's got to learn how to slide better. He's got to make some better decisions. There was this one play, I think the play that he got hurt in. He had David Montgomery wide open on the flat. He fakes the throw to him and then continues on. The linebacker wasn't fooled. He gets goes down, and that was the last play of the game. If he were to flip, flip that ball to David Montgomery, who had a wide open, he would have easily gotten the first down and many more y- uh, yards. It would have been an explosive play. The Bears would have had a new set of first downs. So it, there's a lot into it, but I don't uh, disagree with uh, my man OB on that uh, opinion. What are your thoughts? I have a comment again. I, I'm a fan of that show, mm-hmm. and I listen to it frequently, especially if we win. Actually, but uh, uh, I think again, not disagreeing with you and defending o- Ed Obradovich, but I think part of the reason he's saying that, and I know this from listening to the show a lot, because I like he and Dan Hampton both, and Mark Carmen's fine too. But uh, <laughs> I listen to it for the the Bears legends. Let's be honest. Sure. Uh, Ed really, really loves David Montgomery. And thinks that David Montgomery is a top five back in this league and thinks that he should be running the ball more. Mm-hmm. So with that context, I'm guessing, I don't know. I think he's like, why risk your quarterback, you know, and get him hurt when you got that stud behind him? Let's run this guy. Mm-hmm. That's what he's paid to do. He's a top notch back. He really thinks Montgomery is just a fucking stud. And it's hard to disagree with that, you know, what we've seen the last two seasons. So I think that's part of where his comment comes from. Again, I see his side and and can see what you were saying there too. I do have one question though, because mm-hmm. uh, again, I haven't followed anything other than I saw these the stories about Nagy and was he going to coach uh, past Thursday. Uh, what do we know? Is, have they confirmed the Fields is out of the hospital yet? What do we know about his condition? There hasn't been a lot shared about his condition. We were told by Matt Nagy today that Andy Dalton will start Thursday and that um, Fields is still day-to-day. So what that means with Chicago Bears uh, mumbo-jumbo, it, he could be out the entire year. He could have you know fractured ribs and so forth, but they, they don't tell us anything, which is another thing that bugs me about this organization. They lie to us. And so when they lie to us and then they put an inferior product out on the field, it makes us dislike them even more. And we're in a bad marriage here. This is we, we send all our love to the Chicago Bears. And what do they do to us? They lie. They don't even finger our asses when we when they're sucking our dicks. Please. Right. <laughs> it's awful. It's awful. <laughs> all right away. Comments like that are the reason Mike North doesn't appear on this show. <laughs> <laughs> even though he talks like this off camera. Anyway, I'm sorry, Mike. Um, Mully. Congratulations, Mike Mulligan. I said uh, you said something that I agree with. About regarding all the booing towards Matt Nagy and fire Matt Nagy and so forth, I've been saying for a couple of years now, Ryan Pace is the guy that deserves all the blame. He hired Matt Nagy. He put together a roster that doesn't have any, currently doesn't have any backups at defensive back. Duke Shelley is out for the years. He's on IR. Who's going to, who's going to play for Duke Shelley now? It's not, it's not key Christian guy. Probably. Yeah. Right. Or Xavier Crawford. But it's getting really ugly, 
in certain position areas, wide receiver, cornerbacks are two that come to mind immediately because there just was no depth. And you came into the season bragging about the depth that you have, but you don't have any depth at those key positions in today's NFL. It's a passing league. I don't, I just do not. And this vindicates me even more because again, draft day, when Steve Zimmerman was saying, you don't need it corners, it's a passing league. And I was like, exactly. That's why we need corners. But Zimmerman was saying, we don't need a corner. I think, Ooh, it seems like I was right on this one, but uh, (laughs) I don't really, I, again, I could be, end up uh, eventually being wrong. I know he's still young, but I have no faith in, in Vildor at all. None. I think every time I see him, I think this guy's a bum. See, I I disagree with you. He has had the last couple of games. He's had a tough time, but I, I, you know, I I think what, what I'm hoping he is, is just a young player, bit undersized, who is still learning, still learning to play against the top competition. Let's remember he played at Georgia Southern and I don't think he's ever going to be a premier cornerback, but I think he could become a serviceable number two and if not you know a serviceable member of your defensive backfield i just think that we have to give him time and he's been rushed into that starter role too quickly desmond trufant was supposed to be the starter but that was another of ryan pace's brilliant moves yeah let's bring in a veteran who's got a history of injuries the last two seasons he's only played about eight games the last two seasons let's bring him in as the number two cornerback because we've got kendall vildor ready to go if they, if uh, Trufant goes down, that's just what, not the way you build a team. What do you think about, and this is just me spitballing here, uh, what do you think maybe try Vildor on the inside and put Artie Burns on the other side? Well, and that's the other thing. So you got the former first-round draft pick, Artie Burns. He's on the practice squad. He's been there. What is really his story? Because I've seen him in a couple of preseason games. He seemed like he was aggressive and really wanted a job and playing hard and so forth. Is he that much worse than what you got? I don't know. I mean, why why haven't – because they see him in practice. They videotape the scout practices. That's where he's playing. He uh, Is he getting burned in, this, in the scout practices by Andy Dalton? <laughs> and so they say, yeah, we can't fucking put him in there. Andy Dalton's burning him in practice. So what's going on? I don't know. I don't know. I kind of feel like you might Bruce see Irvin. Bruce Irvin. Bruce yeah. Irvin, you should just have him – you should activate him. I think, I think you'll probably see him uh, go this Thursday. I, I'd be shocked. I, and, and you might see Artie Burns play Thursday too. I mean, I think they're, they're at the bottom of the barrel here, man. All right. Yeah, the comments the comments from Jalen Johnson, I know you, you sent me that, mm-hmm. uh, I think, on Monday. Right. That is so damning. That truly is – I mean, Jalen Johnson – show that he didn't respect Nagy with the thing earlier this year with that fine. I think he's still pissed off about it. Yeah, yeah. So, I mean, again, maybe that's a good thing. Maybe it's a bad thing. I don't know. But it just seems like when you got a guy like that that's a top draft pick, you know, from last season, I mean, he wasn't a first-rounder, but still he was, you know, top, what was he, second round for us, Mm -hmm. right? Yeah. So, I mean, he's one of the guys you view as, like, the future of your team, and mm-hmm. he's cutting down Nagy like that. And, and Like, that's clearly about Nagy. It's got to be about Nagy. It's not like, oh, well, he's got a problem with D. Philip. No, that's that's Nagy. Yeah, so, I, I don't mean, know. I mean, once the that – team is, has to must feel this way. Once that said, 
and I think he was being politically correct. Uh, once that said in that interview, I, I, I didn't include it in the mashup that he thought, you know, hey, it could be him talking about Sean Desai. It could be him him talking about Chris Tabor. It could be him talking about some of his teammates and just the general raw, raw stuff in the locker room and everyone's. Uh, so he, he didn't say, you know, we should immediate. He said we should not immediately attribute that to Matt Nagy. But then the broadcasters that he was on, I forgot who was who was on with Lonnie. They said, yeah, I don't know, <laughs> Dave, this sounds like Matt Nagy to us. <laughs> Just like you said. Yeah, he, I could see, again, Lonnie's point of view on that as well. Maybe maybe Desai is trying to be Nagy because it feels like he's sort of, uh, you know, a carbon copy of him anyway. Anytime I hear him speak, it's like he's not saying anything. So I could see him <laughs> trying to be that. But my question and, and again, you're not on the team, so and I'm not on the team, so th it's more or less rhetorical, but if you'd respond to it, I, it would be cool. To, if we were speaking to Jalen Johnson right now, like what kind of approach would he want from a coach at this point? I mean, I, I, I don't want to defend Nagy here, but what is he supposed to do when the team's lost four or five games in a row? Yeah, He's got to come up with some measure of motivation for you. Yeah, I, well... <laughs> I think the motivation is, you know, you're going to fucking ride the pine if you keep fucking making mistakes. Now, Jalen. He's I, never I, done that, though. Not the whole time he's been here, I can't think of anybody he's benched. Mm -hmm. You are right yeah, about other that. Other than Trubisky. You are right about that. And there were a number of players who said that, you know, they will play for Matt Nagy. There was some support. We'll listen to uh, Tashawn Gibson uh, uh, in a little while. So players – at least publicly are saying that they will play hard for Matt Nagy. And maybe that's because he doesn't hold guys more accountable for their errors. Perhaps I always think that, you know, when, when a lot of us have this characteristic that when we fuck up, we hate to admonish somebody else when they fuck up, even if there are employees, you know, I, I always fuck up too. So, Hey, it's all right. You know, I think Matt Nagy is that guy. <laughs> I think he is. He's, he still says from time to time, I'm still learning on the job. It's like, what the fuck? You've been here four years, dude. All right. I think, I believe it. Ed, Ed Obranovich is always saying the re, Matt Nagy's biggest downfall mm -hmm. is that he thinks that everyone on the team is his best friend. Um, I would, he wants to be their buddies. Yeah. I, uh, PJ is saying Nagy benched Shelly this year. Yeah, he did. That is true. Uh, he he <laughs> he benched them in the opening game of the season and and replaced them with a veteran that they had cut. I think it was Crawford. They cut him and then brought him back after he cleared waivers, and then they put Shelly on the practice squad or didn't activate him and activated Crawford. So that was one. There may have been a, a another time when uh, Nagy benched Shelly, but see, that's not, that's not coaching to me. That's, that sounds like organizational mismanagement. Yeah. Let's cut the guy that we were thinking throughout preseason was going to start game one. Let's risk putting him out there on waivers. Yeah, it's just, it doesn't make sense. Anyway, I want to get to this. Sylvie says that the said that the Packers game was a disaster, and I agree a hundred percent with him. Of course, that was a, a disaster. Of course, it was. We should have won that game too. And then the defense allows Aaron Rodgers to march downfield 
score. And then he rubs it in our face. He rubs it in the faces of the fans. Yeah, we haven't won since. And Waddle says that's not a disaster. That doesn't go on the list of disasters this year. Of course it does, Tom. Sylvie's totally I Tom, right. I think Tom's saying that because fuck, we always lose to them. So <laughs> I think that's what he said. I think in the course of of that segment, he did say, "Yeah, well, we never match up with the Packers anyway, so it's not a disaster." But we had them. We were going to win, <laughs> as yeah, we have yeah. so many times against that team. Oh. I agree with you, though. I think it's uh, and that is definitely it, it's turned out to be the downfall of the season. I mean, that's the mark where they they fell apart. Oh man. It is. It hurts so much. So I want to get to that whole thing today. This columnist, this Pulitzer Prize winning journalist making this report. You know, it would be nice in the news media when they report stuff, but there's politics or sports or entertainment that they eliminated the whole, you know, the whole uh, unidentified sources. Who the fuck said that? Because I look at it from both ways. I look at it as a member of management. I want to know who the fuck told that reporter that because I'm going to fire them and not only fire them, but I'm going to punch them in the face for, for leaking that out. And then I look at it from, from the coach's standpoint. It's like, if you know, well, I look at it from the journalist standpoint, great fucking job. Great fucking job that you reported that you scooped everybody else and so forth. If it is true, it, but we don't know because he won't announce his sources. And as you said earlier, there was a couple of erroneous statements in his report, which makes you wonder. Yeah. That, and again, if you're the Bears management and that's the, the decision you made, why would you tell Nagy that before the game? Mm -hmm. What do you what do you get out of that? Do you think that's supposed to motivate him no, even yeah. more to try to win on national television for you? Mm -hmm. Or does that just... I mean, I mean, is the thing is like, well, if you come up with a victory map, maybe we'll change our minds. Like, mm -hmm. I can't imagine what, why, what would be the benefit from management of telling him that before coaching the game? I just don't understand. It doesn't make any sense at all, other than, you know, um, maybe they wanted him to get a head start on finding a real estate agent. <laughs> I just, I can't seriously understand why they would say that before the game. <laughs> well, the thing is, is that you can almost, we, we shouldn't, you know, if somebody does something wrong, especially years ago, you shouldn't say, well, look at that as evidence that they would fuck this up. But I'm, that's exactly what I'm going to do. We're going to go back to 1999. And I know this, I know uh, Dan knows this story very well. Back sure. to 1999, when the Chicago Bears have fired Dave Wanstead and are now looking for a new head coach. And they, among the people they interview is Dave McGinnis, who used to be on the Chicago Bears staff and a guy that they really, really liked. In fact, Chicago Bears, Dave McGinnis is on his way to the airport and learns that there's been an announcement on the radio that the Chicago Bears had hired him when he's like saying, well, hold on, hire me. We didn't agree on money. We didn't, I didn't sign a contract. I didn't sign anything. And it ended up being one of the biggest fiascos in sh Chicago sports history and probably sports history, period. I'm going to roll for you a report from ABC7 Chicago back in the time, 1999. It's a little hissy. It's a poor video. But here it is. This is how the media covered it that day. Reporting is Brad Palmer, a.k.a. The Professor. The Bears did all they could to try to put a favorable spin on the debacle. 
Dave McGinnis, like Michael McCaskey, wouldn't go into specifics on why he withdrew his name from consideration, but McCaskey said it wasn't about money and suggested McGinnis just got cold feet. I don't understand it fully, and you'd have to ask him. I think he considered it a question of whether this was the right time and the right fit. If I'm a defensive coordinator at, at, at Phoenix and I have a chance to be the head coach of the Chicago Bears, I'm going to get the job done if I want the job. I can, I'll get through whatever I have to get through, and I'm not putting it on Mac. I'm just telling you how I feel. Because if, if I'm that situation and I want to be a head football coach in the National Football League, I'm going to get the deal done. I really feel that way. And if it didn't get done, he wasn't the right person. Obviously, we couldn't reach an agreement. I mean, it started, uh, you know, there was an announcement made, obviously, before we had uh, even agreed to any terms. And then, uh, you know, it, it, it went downhill from there. Dave had given his word to several people that we would talk to them personally, being our families, Mr. Bidwell fans, and that didn't happen. And it was just... Uh, not right. McCaskey refused to take responsibility for the premature announcement, inferring that it was the fault of someone else in the organization, but all the evidence points back to him. I asked him to what degree he felt that mistake led to a breakdown in the negotiations. It sure didn't help that there was a premature announcement. This has not been a, a, you know, a confrontational type deal. I mean, it's been very amiable, and uh, you know, this stuff happens in this business. I mean, it's... Uh, well, it's it's never ha it doesn't, Dave. It doesn't happen like this. I mean, this is unbelievable. Well, I, I guess you're never announced before you're offered the job. I mean, I understand that, Brad. When Dave McGinnis wakes up tomorrow morning, maybe all this will seem like a bad dream. But it's going to be a while before the Bears can make the nightmare disappear. This once proud franchise has become the laughingstock, not only of the city, but the National Football League. From Hallis Hall, Brad Palmer, ABC 7 News. They've become the laughingstock. Doesn't that sound like what people are saying now? <laughs> we're the laughingstock. We were back yeah. in 1999, and we're again today. We're going around in circles, and it's going down the effing drain because of was... the McCaskey family. That's that. Eventually, you got to point the finger there. Well, let's look at the fallout of two things real quickly with that, because I'm going to take. Maybe I'm just a homer here, but I'm going to defend Mike McCaskey on this. And let's just first off, this cost him his job. Mm-hmm. And secondly, what the fuck did Dave McGinnis do when he went to Phoenix? Or I guess maybe they were Arizona already. He went to the Cardinals and did literally fucking nothing and lost his job in a few years and was done. It would have it been a bad hire anyway, is what you're saying, right? Yeah, well, he was never hired again. And he did have some lineage here. He, like during the 80s, mm -hmm. he was on the staff of least, I don't know if he's on the 85 staff, but he definitely was when Vince Tobin was coordinating. Right. Uh, you know, so he had some lineage here. Maybe he is a good hire. I don't know. If, if, if To me, if you're Dave McGinnis, you feel honored that this organization wants to give you the gig. And like suddenly you're like, oh, I'm withdrawing my name from the job. Fuck you. Like you should just, okay, be honored. Let's work out the money now. It's like you've just been drafted. You've been given the job. If you didn't want the job, why did you interview for it? And so they've decided they want they, they like you. Then, go, then tell your agent to go get the deal done. Like to, to have this sanctimonious, like, oh, I'm so appalled. You know, I'm going to withdraw from the job. I've been saying, fuck Dave McGinnis since 1999. And I'm glad he failed in Arizona. Fuck Dave McGinnis. But and who, uh, who was that country guy in there? Was it his agent? The Oh, that was Mark Hatley of the. Uh, the oh, my God. Yeah. So yeah it, 
I didn't realize that Mark Hatley talked like him. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. But here's the thing. McCaskey then blames it on somebody else saying, yeah, I didn't leak it. Somebody else did. Yeah, right, dude. You, you were There are probably just two people in the room, you and Ted Phillips, offering the guy the job. So it was either you or Ted Phillips. Come to think of it, it probably was Ted Phillips. <laughs> you know, I know Mike's not with us anymore. But in the event that we were talking to Mike, and I'm sure Mike North could probably answer this. Mm -hmm. He probably, I know he had that uh, infamous radio hit with uh, Mike McCaskey. Yeah. So maybe not. Maybe they didn't talk. I don't know what year that was. But I was going to say maybe he could recall, like, what, in, after all this dust is settled and stuff, like, what was Mike McCaskey's real side of that story? Mm -hmm. Was he just, did he feel jaded and burned by this? Mm -hmm. uh, like, damn, I thought he was going to take the gig. Like, I can't believe this is where it went. I'd like to know what he, his thought, the organization's real thoughts were after like, you know, like five years later, that kind of oh, yeah. thing. When you look back on it, yeah. I don't know if we ever got that. Yeah, I, I totally agree. That is, that would make a really good uh, novel or, or not novel, but a uh, nonfiction book and, or documentary or something like that. And, and in fact, you know, just, a good documentary will be all of the fiascos in Bears history. Maybe you and I should work on that. We can do it all like an audio podcast or something. That'd be cool. Yeah, I'm sure we could. I, I be easy to write, <laughs> easy to put together. <laughs> yeah. The only thing is a lot of material. We, to be, to be as thorough as we should be, we would need someone that could, like could reference. I'm sure they made some mistakes during Hollis's days too. Oh, sure. We, yeah, uh, we I like letting George Allen leave for one. Right. Yeah, we need a historian, somebody like a Don Pearson or maybe even a Dan Pompey. Uh, what about the guy that used to do the Twilight Zone show here? Um, oh, uh, Les Grobstein? Yeah, yeah, somebody like that. Les would be great. Les would be great. If he would an uh, answer one of my texts, uh, I'll ask him. <laughs> he, yeah. He's not the most technically inclined person in the world. All right, I want to take you uh, to Hallis Hall today. So the reports come out that this – Pulitzer Prize winning author says that the Bears are going to part ways with uh, Matt Nagy and poor Matt. I, I actually felt sorry, feel sorry for Matt Nagy. I mean, that poor guy is trying to prepare maybe for his last game and he's they just firing questions at him. So I, I, I pulled like three minutes from the press conference. This is Matt Nagy responding to media questions about whether he has been told Thursday is his last day on the job. That is not accurate. You know, I have not, um, you know, I have great communication with ownership with George and Ted and, and Ryan, but uh, I have not had any discussions. What have been your discussions with George and Ted and Ryan this week? Just uh, um, for, for uh, th this week, we have not talked um, this week, and that's that was scheduled. You know, that's been. Uh, we, we have a, a good schedule over the years where we have discussions. Um, like, like you guys always hear us talk about, you know, we have constant um, communication. Uh, I, I always think it's good and healthy, and, um, and so we, we stayed on course. And with the bye week and then with the short turnaround uh, with game prep, um, we have not. Do you have assurance that you'll coach the rest of the season? Say that again. Do you have assurance that you'll coach the Again, my, my focus right now is on these players and on Detroit. That's it. You know, and I think that's, that's my job as a, as a head coach and a leader. Um, is to is to do that. These guys, these players have been amazing. They've been great, um, and and so you know you have this quick turnaround after a tough loss like that, and and now here we go. It's it's the only thing that we can do 
is focused on the now and, and trying to do everything we can. So, you know, Thursday's going to be here quickly, and, and uh, we have one objective, that's to win the game. To the question, though, is it yes or no on? Again, that's, it's, it's not something I'm focused at. You know, I, I, respect, I respect that. I respect the, the question. But my, my focus is not on that, you know. What, you obviously know things like this will swirl out there. Sure. In a situation like this. What is your curiosity personally of your job status and how you go about making sure that that communication line stays as sharp as it's been? Absolutely. I think, you know, um, you guys have, can probably admit that for me it's been – I've been very honest throughout the years, and, and I just – I think that that's important. When anybody in, in any type of role as a leader, as a head coach, you have to be able to, uh, to understand that when you um, are a leader or a head coach in any sport, whatever level, um, you, you want to do everything you can to, to help the team win. So that's, that's my job. And, um, but at the same point in time, you got to go day to day. And, and uh, you know, we, we understand where we're at as a team, but our focus has to be on being um, doing everything we can to win Thursday. Matt, as just a, a human, like hearing all of these yeah. things moving around you, how difficult is that? to keep the focus where it is. You, you, you know what? It's, uh, it's not because we're so – I, I understand the, the, the media world and the social media world, I should say, in general, and I understand that that's a, that's a – you know, that goes on as we're going on inside the building. But for us, you can't, you can't focus on that. You can't – you have to stay focused on what you do every day, which is, which is football and, and – um, you know the X's and O's and 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 all of that. I mean, it's it's important to do that. And and you're right. I mean, it, it can in times like this, like no matter what, when you go through this stuff, there's learning lessons through all of it. But you have to be able to understand that you, you know, this is a for us, our job is to focus on day to day and winning this game on Thursday, and that's it. You know, that's as that's as simple as I keep it. Dan, do you feel sorry for him? Truly, I don't. Maybe I should. <laughs> one of the things he said in that, he's like, you guys know I've been honest. I mean, really? Do we know that? No, he hasn't. It feels been. like you don't come out and say, like, out-and-out out lies, white lies, as they say. But he'll not answer the question and right. give you, like, a three- or four-minute diatribe about something irrelevant mm -hmm. that doesn't answer the question. But he, 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 I guess, technically didn't lie, but he didn't address the question. So... He has been a bullshitter, and I don't think he's even aware of that. I don't think he's even cognizant of the fact that he's been a bullshitter. Well, and that's a trait of narcissists is that they don't realize that the damage they're creating around them and, and their their deceptions and so forth. So maybe, hey, I'm a psychologist. I play one here at the barroom. Maybe that's the diagnosis for Matt Nagy. But I do feel a little sorry for him because – you know, when he came here to Chicago, there was this great optimism, you know, finally got rid of John Fox. What a what a nincompoop he was. Just, you know, old, no innovation, crusty, you know, sounded like he – we used to have a guy here at the barroom named uh, uh, Jose Cotto who used to say that he, he sounded like a guy that had smoked three packs of Pall Mall cigarettes. <laughs> and that was John Fox. Finally got rid of him. Here comes Nagy. He comes from the Andy Reid trees. Uh, and, and great, great, uh, off, uh, great opening season. You know, there were some miscues. Clearly, you know, their offense was not as great as we wanted it to be. But we kind of, you know, laid all the blame on Mitchell Trubisky. And he certainly deserved a lot of it. But we get to the playoffs. And then everything just starts to fall apart, you know. And did you ever have you ever seen the movie Amadeus? 
Yes, from like 84. Yeah, exactly. Milos Forman, director. I talked about this on Sunday at Bear Football, and Danny Shimon was like, what the fuck are you talking about? But, I had to watch that in, in school for some reason. It's a great school. movie. It's a great movie. Uh, Amadeus Mozart is this incredibly prolific composer of symphony orchestras. He's doing it as a teenager, as a kid. He's, he's writing... Uh, full orchestra arrangements and finally when he becomes a young adult he meets a guy named Solaire who at the time was considered the most preeminent composer in Austria wherever uh, it, it, it took place and so Solaire looks over the, the musical notes that this young Amadeus has been doing and you see this expression on his face and it is from it turns from anger to jealousy to resignation, all in one shot, to resignation that I can never be as good as this guy. This guy has taught me what music can be, and I can't do this. And I think that's what Matt Nagy is going through now, is that realization that I had my opportunity here to be a head coach, and I, I'm just not good enough. And so for anybody who has experienced their dream in life to go through that and to kind of come to that realization. Yeah. I'm just kind of a mediocre producer or mediocre mailman or whatever the fuck it is. It, it's fucking hard to deal with. And so, yes, I do feel a little bad for the guy. Having said that, if he needs help packing, I'm available all day Saturday. I'll be glad to come <laughs> over. <laughs> uh, well, bottom line. Do you think if you had to bet, some money even if it's twenty dollars right now mm -hmm. do you think that this report because i first off i didn't even know a rob had a podcast <laughs> i know he's a friend of the network but i didn't know yeah. that he even had a podcast or who this other gentleman was that broke the story that was the podcast host right but do you think if you had to literally say all right here's my money if you're talking odds with mike north and gambling on this is, is this story authentic is he done after Thursday. So the the podcast report from Alan Robinson was the the, the co-host said that the uh, locker room wanted Nagy gone, that there was turmoil, that there was unhappiness with him and so forth. A-Rob apparently told somebody in the media today, that's bullshit. I speak for myself. Everything is cool. Blah, blah, blah. So this podcast host, he does a, a, a basketball podcast with A-Rob. He's sticking to his guns, but I, I got a feeling they might not be doing a podcast much longer. So, but I do believe that Matt Nagy will be coaching his last game Thursday. It, did Has it all turned out the way the former Pulitzer Prize winning journalist painted it out to be? I doubt it. I doubt it. To me, it, the handwriting has been on the raw. Danny Shimon on Sunday on our network here says, I'm just speculating. I don't have any inside information. But if the Bears lose on Thursday, I predict that uh, Matt Nagy will be fired on Friday. And so I think that's it's in the air. And so maybe this reporter is just kind of jumping on that. And maybe, I don't know, maybe he's exaggerating something you heard. Or maybe he made it up. I don't know. But. I do, to answer your question in a very long-winded uh, manner, uh, I do believe that Nagy will be fired before the end of the season, and it will probably happen on Friday. I feel like that overwhelmingly Bears fans would view that 
positively. Oh yeah. I, I think it would behoove George to make the move. I really do. But if you're asking me to put my money down, I'm going to say they're going to stay pat and say that this, this report was false and they're still collaborating mm-hmm. <laughs> and, uh, they're still going to go at it and they hope to finish 11 and seven and, uh, or 11 or 10 and eight or whatever. I, I just, I, I don't think so. I bet he's still here. I, I hope I'm wrong. See, the, everyone that says, you know, that they, they haven't done it in their history and so forth. Well, you got to remember that for more than half of the years that the team has been in existence, George Hallis was the coach. And so he wasn't going to fire himself in midseason. And so, you know, that, then, you know, Mike Ditka, if you read um, I, I, one of the biographies on him, I think it was written by um, Ar- Army Kantayan. Uh He was a former CBS uh, sports reporter. He said that Mike Ditka was really close to being fired in 1983 because he was so erratic and so volatile that he was actually uh, pissing off maybe scaring McCaskey. Uh, McCaskey didn't like him. And Jerry Venisi, who was then the general manager, he acted as the mediator and he was, he would calm Ditka down and says, no, you can't say that. No, you can't do that. And, and the gist of this book that if it wasn't for Jerry Venisi coming in between him and McCaskey, McCaskey would have fired him before that 1983 season was up. So, um, I, I just think that there there have been some situations in Bears history that coaches were close to being fired, Ditka, Trestman, um, but things have changed. And let's remember the rule now in the NFL is that you can begin interviewing coaches, assistant coaches and coordinators from other teams in the last two weeks, starting in week 16 of the NFL. You've got to get the permission of the team. They've got to consent it. And in some cases, they cannot say no if if it's, you know, for a head coaching job, you can't say no. So that, you know, the Bears might want to get a leg up on finding the success for, successor for Matt Nagy. The $64,000 question again is, Ryan Pace, should he be doing the fucking hiring? Should Ted Phillips be involved? Should George McCaskey be involved? You know, all I got to say is Ed Obradovich said it perfectly. You morons! <laughs> I like great. that. I got to do it one more time. Hold on a second. <laughs> you morons! <laughs> I did so a cute little perfect. graphic with it, too. <laughs> Ed, Ed is that fired up every time I listen, too. Even when they win, he's that mad. He is awesome. He is awesome. That my I, I wish I could have lunch with him or a beer with him or anything with him. Just talk to him for a couple of hours. Maybe I'll, I'll ask uh, North had him on his show. I'll ask North, hey, can we call him? Can I, I got his phone number. Can I call him and see if he'll come on? It would be a blast for the two of us to interview him. Imagine Greg Gabriel involved in that conversation. Oof, man. By the way, Greg was th- like this close to coming on to tonight's show. I don't believe that. <laughs> yes, he was so effing pissed off at the stuff that he was reading on Twitter, and in particular, people saying that uh, uh, people in the media saying that the McCaskies are to blame for this situation today because they didn't come out and re- either refute the report 
or are to blame because they allowed it to leak out. And he was just fucking livid that the media is uh, blaming the McCaskey family for this. So uh, he was like, I, I need to vent. I need, he left me a long text message. And I said, well, well you want to come on today? And then it was a long delay. And he says, you know what? I'll, I'll just wait for Friday because we're going to do a special show on Friday. So uh, he will uh, be on fire on Friday. By the way, another guy that was on fire today was Chris Tabor. Um, I don't know if you can get to uh, your video screen or anything like this because I got some sound from today's press conference with the Bears. And Tabor looked like he was going to beat the shit out of everybody that was asking him questions about Matt Nagy's future. I'll play that. It's about, uh, about two minutes long. Out this morning that Matt has been informed that he won't be coaching past Thursday afternoon. What is your understanding right now of the status of the coaching staff and Matt? My, my status is that we're going to go to walk through, then I'm going to go to practice, and then on Thursday I'm going to coach our tails off to win the football game. I don't know anything about that report, and reports are just reports to me. I have a job to do, so I'm going to stick to that job. And that's not coach speak, and I'm not trying to uh, get fired up about the question, but uh, we're going to do our job. You had conversations with Matt this morning about? Absolutely not. We've had conversations about winning the football game and what we need to do better on special teams. So just to be clear, if even if that report was true, he has not informed you or the players or anything like that of? No, guys, and I understand where you're going with all this. And unfortunately, I've, guys, speculation is speculation. I'd love to talk about the Detroit Lions. Okay, and I understand where you're coming from, but at the same time, guys, we have a job to do and, and watched a lot of film. And when we were, we're leaving tomorrow against, in my world, the special teams, they're, they're a good unit. So uh, we're, we're working. What do you think about what Mr. Tabor said there? Um, you don't give a it's shit. It's one of those, like, that's probably what he should say, but it sounded authentic to me. I thought so, too. I, you know, I've never been a big Chris Tabor fan, but listening to him defend his coach, and he said, you know, I'll, I'll play for this guy anytime. He, you know, I, I like him. He's authentic and all this stuff. And, you know, who's to say? I, I don't think he's lying about that. I think he's he's probably grateful that he hasn't been fired for all the fuck-ups that he's done. And so that's why he's speaking so nicely about Matt Nagy. That's why he likes him so much. Um, so here is uh, Tashawn Gibson asked about all of this turmoil. If it, is it affecting the locker room and so forth? Been a normal day in the locker room, normal conversations, no um, from the guys in which I've personally been talking to. That conversation haven't peaked uh, in none of the circles in the conversation in which I've had. I can't speak for everybody in the locker room, but, uh, you know, it's nothing that myself personally is focused on um, because obviously uh, that is beyond and above my pay grade. Coach Nagy is my coach, man, and, you know, uh, I'm going to play for him. I think everybody in the locker room uh, loves playing for Nagy. So doing that and saying, man, we just got to go out there and, and win football games, obviously. We, we, we understand that. Uh, obviously, we're not winning right now, and everything is scrutinized, but I don't see any distractions on that tip of guys talking about what they heard or what's going on. We're just itching to win a football game, and I think that's more so the conversations that's being had. Obviously, it was a tough loss Sunday. Uh, so anything other than that, I personally couldn't speak on that and tell you what's the energy, man. The energy is business as usual, man. We got to win this game on Thursday and go from there. Then. 
I'm glad that he is saying that, and I'm hoping that it's true, but there's no fucking way. The Lions are going to beat the Bears. There's just too much turmoil that has happened here the last few days, the way the team has played the last five games, and even in their victories. They never won in a, in a way, you know, well, I mean, I, I'll take that back, but even, even their victories had this this smell, like Dan Hampton said, of, of, of mediocrity, of a 500 team. And right now, now it's a 500 team that is on a five game losing streak that there's been turmoil all week about the coach being fired turmoil about the players in the locker room giving up on him and so forth it, this has got to affect them on turkey day and i think they're going to get blown away by the lions what do you think who's playing quarterback is golf back or is they haven't this announced it yet uh, golf uh, i think dan campbell said that uh, golf is a possibility to play so they're they're playing that whole fucking game of making the Bears guess who's going to be a quarterback. Yeah, so I I I don't know. I if I had to bet my money once again, God, it just seems like this would be the week that the Bears would win, and they'd be like, well, you know what, we were going to fire Nagy, but we're going to keep him around now because he had this rousing victory on Thanksgiving Day, like he's Rasputin. <laughs> Or the way they remember they used to call Wayne Fonts that because over and over again right. Detroit wanted Fonts gone, at least the media and everybody, and and he would save his job somehow. Mm -hmm. So I I could just see that happening. Like we win against a bad team, or at least a team that's, you know, on on par with us, mm -hmm. you know, right there with us. Even though the Bears have three victories to Detroit's zero, <laughs> which which is makes you feel like the Bears will give them their first win. I don't know. I honestly just don't know, but I feel like more than likely Nagy would get a victory and they'd be like, oh, let's just go ahead and let him run the string out. Let's right. just go ahead and keep it. Yeah. Steven says, even if they beat the Lions, you beat the Lions. So what, what, you know, what's the big deal? What have you accomplished? You got to build a winning culture. Game, a division game is important. Yeah. Way. You got to build a winning culture. All of these guys, the Jalen Johnsons, uh, everyone that you think is a young guy that's a nucleus for this team, you don't want them to to get blown away and lose every game. You you want them to go out there and play hard, and you want them to establish a winning tradition and winning muscle mem memory and, and just win. It's good for them. It's, it makes for a better day for me. It accomplishes a lot, Stephen. In my mind, it, it, you don't. You, I don't understand fans just you know giving up and saying "fuck it," you know, let's just lose the rest of the way for what? A higher second round draft pick? Yeah, I was gonna say our first round picks going to the Giants, regardless. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that doesn't make sense to me. It just doesn't. You need to win. I don't give a shit. I want to win, and I want a new coach and a new GM. And winning at this point should not. Uh, should not mean that we can't have the other two because the evidence is in. Everybody should know that these guys should not uh, be uh, – you can't let them get away with what they did last year, which was they should have been fired after that six-game losing streak, and because they snuck into the playoffs, they got another chance. That was the big thing. In, in one of the interviews, I didn't have time to include it, but a reporter named Kalen – Kaylin, I, I for, I'm sorry, I forgot her last name, but she made the she made the point that last year was the time to fire Matt Nagy because you had made the decision 
that Mitchell Trubisky was not going to be your quarterback moving forward. So you should always bring in a new head coach and help, and that coach should be part of the decision of who to bring in at quarterback. So, because there's that, there should be that marriage. There should be that. And I, I totally agree with that. Totally agree. Nagy should have been gone last year. What do you think about the whomever said that in the piece that basically you repeat? I think it was uh, Yurko, right? That was saying, well, you're just doing what we did to Nagy and saying, you got to have Trubisky as your quarterback. Now we're going to be saying, well, you have to have Fields as your quarterback. Although, to me, those aren't necessarily equivalent because most people, I would think, I think it's fair to surmise that most people, coaches, would be happier with Fields than they would be Mitch. Hmm. That's interesting. I don't know. I don't know how to feel about that. I I, I think at this point, you know, if he's 100% healthy and there isn't any issue with his ribs, he should be out there getting snaps. And uh, and hopefully A-Rob is healthy. Give him all the best weapons that he, he can use. And let's help, let's hope that he can get back to that second half of the Steelers game and, and continue to build on that and erase that horrible first half that he had. It wasn't horrible, but it was fucking not very impressive. It was bad. He was outplayed by the other guy. Yeah. He's definitely, no, I don't even know the other guy's name. Huntley. Yeah, Huntley yeah, something. I don't even know who he is. <laughs> Undrafted the Bears free agent. always lose to the guys that are making their first start. Mm-hmm. Exactly. So who is it now? It's uh, can, can you do you remember the names, guys, who are making their first start and they lose? Colin to... Kaepernick, oh Brock Osweiler. That's right. Three different times when he started with his That's first right. start in Miami, in Houston, and in Denver. Oh my God! It's the Bears. It's the Bears. All right. So um, I wanted to. Did you did you do any research or open up the memory banks on all time awful teams? Yeah, I didn't know how many teams you wanted me to go into, but I've got some off the top of my head for sure. Go for it, brother. Who's, your, all right, who's I, the first one? Am I am I trying to say this is the all time worst? Or no, however you want to handle it, it's it, it's totally up to you. Just let and your again, memory. This is kind of my wheelhouse of. Um, let me stress this again, like for yourself or Mike North. You're probably going to mention maybe the 69 Bears that won one game. <laughs> Definitely. I'm so, but that's that's before me, right? Sure. So what I'm going to, again, Neil Armstrong was a coach when I was born, but I didn't see any Neil Armstrong. I was too young. Yeah. So I'm going to say this is Mike Ditka through present. Okay. Excellent and guideline. I'm going to say the most miserable team that I that I probably saw was John Fox's 2016 team that was 3-13. and 13. Oh, that's a good one. Now, we had Jordan Howard, and it looked like because he had like 1,500 yards. Yeah. And I thought at the very least we've got this power back that we really haven't had since Walter. Right. That's just going to run people over. And, he, and, you know, he set the all-time rushing record <laughs> for rookies that year in the Bears organization. So we thought we had – like, you remember how Phil was all, all over Howard? So was I, man. Mm-hmm. I had Howard's jersey. Mm-hmm. Uh, I still do. The I've got the 1940s, uh, you know, the the one that's blue with uh, the orange. Yeah, sure. Yeah, that they don't wear anymore. I have the Jordan Howard 24 jersey in that one. But um, that 13 team was just awful. And, uh, and then the next season wasn't much better. 
Because mm -hmm. remember, our big replacement was to draw to get that receiver from San Diego. Uh, shit, what was his name? He, um, if he uh, had one more catch, it would have affected the draft and the yeah, next season. Um, kind of forgetting his name. Big tall guy. Um, he went to the Colts after us. Yeah. Um, yeah, yeah. I'm just but, saying that's when we had literally no wide receivers oh, whatsoever. It was awful. Yeah, and then the Mike Glennon era and Jay's winding down there at 16. Now, that was a miserable team. The 2002 team was miserable for different reasons, and it wasn't because, uh, you know, going into the season, it certainly didn't feel that way. I've talked about this on air before. They started 2-0. They had a 20-point lead in week three, and they blow that game to the Saints, and it, all the momentum changed when Leon Johnson fumbled because he was looking into the sunlight on a punt return. Oh, or a my return. gosh, yes. <laughs> and as a result, they lost eight games in a row, but everybody kept getting hurt mm -hmm. at, at that uh, that turf at the University of Illinois when they were in Champaign. Like, everybody, like, freak injuries, like, you know, Columbo and, uh, and uh, Rex Tucker, a bunch of these guys, like, never played for the Bears again, it seemed like, and everyone was getting hurt. And it was coming off that 13 and three magical season of 2001, mm -hmm. where you just hoped that, hey, you know, maybe we can put this together. We're just a couple of pieces away from maybe winning the NFC. And then suddenly you're fucking like, you're just exactly what everyone said you were. You're bums. You're lucky. You were lucky last year. I hated hearing that. Like yeah. the Bears aren't really that good. They're just lucky. And, you know, uh, this this shit can't continue. And you're like, hey, man, fuck that. Mm -hmm. We got a good defense. And then what happens? Ted Washington gets hurt against Atlanta in, I think, week two. And then then they suddenly, the whole defense, like, crumbles. Yep. And it's just, man, that, that was so frustrating. And like I said, uh, I think 16 was probably the worst because they just had no talent versus 02 circumstances, injuries, and Anything that could go wrong can. The Murphy's Law cliche. So 02 was right there. 16's right there. The 2014 Mark Tressman team, because there was so much talent on the team. Oh my gosh. And you, you look at that offense. You got Alshon. You've got mm -hmm. you've got Brandon Marshall. You've got Martellus Bennett. You've got Matt Forte. You've got Jay Cutler. Mm -hmm. And I know a lot of people don't love Cutler, but Cutler had had a fucking arm. There's no disputing that to me. And and then suddenly the defense crumbles. And that season, they were like three and three at one point and finished five and 11. So it, it was a massive debacle. Uh, it's just, it was horrible. And then, like you said, the 50 point games back to back against New England and, and Green Bay. And it, then, then the Aaron, what was his name? Aaron, whatever the fuck, the offensive coordinator was like crying. Cromer. He, yeah, threw Jay under the bus to the media and. <laughs> I mean, how God, how low can you go than that? By but the way, still, you, you, you bring up ahead. something interesting here, you know, that Aaron Cromer thing and then Mark Tressman talking to John Gruden on that Monday night game. And trying was, to blame Jay and it's not my fault. Exactly. Well, it appears that Ryan Pace was doing the same thing with Tony Romo this Sunday. I mean, Romo was blowing pace, man. Just saying. Oh, there's a lot of good young talent here. Look at this offensive line. Yes. And like, who on the offensive? Like, nobody thinks the offensive lines, and you got nobody. No, I mean, <laughs> they're they're the the two guards, both second round picks. They should be good, but they didn't play very good Sunday. They haven't played very good all season long. But the long story short is, Ryan Pace 
uh, factors into this whole thing with Matt Nagy's future and, and it, in a huge way. And I think that if the story's ever told, we'll, we will look back at mid-November and that was a time Ryan Pace took his buddy, Matt Nagy, and threw him in front of a fucking bus <laughs> so that Good. he could save his job. <laughs> Good, man, because that guy deserved it. I hate to say it, but... <laughs> I got a couple more teams. You Please. want me to reminisce? Please do. All right. Uh, Ditka's last year, 92. Mm-hmm. Again, they lose to Dallas in the playoff game, but they're, you know, they're 10 and six. And I know that a lot of players were older and slower and things like that, but you just, you didn't think, I didn't think that there was any way that that team would suddenly be five and 11. Yeah. And so. I, I just didn't see it. Maybe everybody else did, but you know, I, I, you looked at, on the defense was okay. They weren't vaunted anymore. And Harbaugh just had a really good year throwing the ball for in terms of the context of Bears quarterbacks, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. not for anybody else. But the 91 Bears were slinging the rock like more than they ever had before. So it feels like, you know, we, we're able to pass the ball a little bit now. And if we can just keep Anderson and Muster together and right. keep them healthy, uh, we can always run the ball with our offensive line. Now we can throw a little bit. And Jim's got more experience. And and then they went opening day, the last play of the game, fourth and goal, throws a touchdown to Waddle to beat Detroit, the team that had bedeviled us in 91 mm-hmm. and stolen the division from us. And like, hey, man, here we go. Let's let's go. The Bears are back. And and then they finished 5-11. and 11. That was extremely frustrating. And obviously, I had – I'll never – I said this on the air before too, and it's true, and I was a kid, but I still had the feeling – because uh, Ditka in that game in the Metrodome where he he just erupted on Harbaugh, mm-hmm. which it, again he should have, but all the people I've that I've heard evaluate that game posthumously have said that uh, Harbaugh made the right uh, audible. It was Neil Anderson who didn't fucking hear it because of the noise in the Metrodome. Mm-hmm. So it's like if Neil would have turned around, then the play works. But uh, but my point was I remember seeing. Ditka and he had his hair all slicked back and he had the glasses on. He just looks so old. <sighs> he just looks so old. And when he blew up on Harbaugh on the sideline, yep. even though like in the past, I, I love that. I just got this terrible feeling at that moment in time as an 11 year old watching that game, uh, I'll soon to be 12. I honestly thought, Oh man, he's not going to make it. He's going to be fired. Mm. I just had that feeling. This he looks. He looks old. He's out of touch, and I I hated feeling that because as a kid, that dude was my, you know, one of my like. To me, he was one of the toughest men in the world. You know, like I was like, if if uh, if Andrew Holyfield can't beat Mike Tyson, by God, Mike Ditka could. You know, mm-hmm. I'm exaggerating. Yeah. I just, I just thought Ditka was everything. You know, like I bought in as a kid. I I just thought this guy was fucking. He was our god almost. Yeah. You know. And uh, he's 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 a winner, and just seeing that was painful uh, mm. to see that team lose and to see him looking <laughs> befuddled and old, and so that sucked. And then uh, a couple more, real quick: the um, the '97 and '98 four and twelve teams with Wani. That '97 team starting out, uh, God, zero oh, and seven before they won that Monday night game against um, Miami. And just awful. I mean, just everything you goes wrong. So Eric Kramer gets hurt. You know, they make the trade for Meyer. And then suddenly Kramer comes back because Meyer's so bad and takes the job, even though he's still kind of hurt. And and they have nothing. Salam just had, you know, 1,000 yards in 95. 
looked solid as a rookie, and he's basically done already. Mm. And, and again, we as we said, Conway and Graham are Conway's hurt, Graham's gone. Mm. You can't throw the ball, you can't run the ball, you can't play defense. It's just it was a miserable time. And then in '98, they start out 0 and 4, and it's kind of like the current day Bears, like where they're in most of the games, mm-hmm. with the exception of that Cleveland game this year, where it's just like they had no, or the Tampa game, where they had no shot. But for the most part, the '98 team was losing by a couple of points here or there, but they were still just losing all the time. So those last two Wana years, it's hard to forget those two. And then the last one I'll give you that '89 uh, team. You're coming off Ditka being coach of the year, the NFC championship. You know, I didn't like the move to trade Jim McMahon. I mean, but I stayed with the Bears. I'm not going to lie. I thought about for a second that I go to San Diego too mm-hmm. and become a Charger fan. I was like, I can't. I can't. Even at eight, I was like, I'm a Bears fan. <laughs> and it was McMahon the reason I became a Bears fan. So that was a tough move. And at the time, if you had asked the kid version of me, uh, what are we going to do with Mike Tomzak? I'd have been like, lose. Lose, we're going to lose with Mike Tomzak. Uh, but we started out 4-0. You start that fucking year out 4-0, and I was like, maybe I'm wrong about Tomzak. All right, I'll start cheering for Tomzak then. And, and then they finished the year 6-10. and 10. And like Ditka said in one of his press conferences, we may not win another game. And they fucking didn't. They didn't win anymore. They lost like the last six or seven at the end of the year. It was awful. Yeah. Including I, the uh, the instant replay game against the Packers yeah. where we were cheated with Don Mikowski. Right. Yeah, oh, I gotta yeah. find that sound bite. Uh, we're not gonna lose. <laughs> we're not gonna win any game. He said that Donnell Wolford couldn't cover anybody and all that stuff. <laughs> right. Remember that? Oh yeah. We drafted a guy who can't cover any fucking body. <laughs> that's because he was always getting <laughs> fucked up. But that's another. Story. Donnell Wolford ended up being a pretty good pick. Uh, pick. Yeah, oh, he yeah. wasn't a Hall of Famer, but he was good. Oh yeah, yeah. But he just liked to party a little too much. Um, I, I have uh, firsthand knowledge of that. I got to interrupt you here, Dan. I got to interrupt you, Dan. I got to interrupt you because sure. we're getting breaking news here. Uh, and I want to thank uh, Toa and Jamal in the chat room for letting us know that Brad Biggs is reporting that Matt Nagy met with Chicago Bears ownership before Tuesday's second walkthrough, sources are saying. And then he later canceled the rest of the day's meeting. That's the headline at the chicagotribune.com, the story. I'll read a, a paragraph or two. If Matt Nagy was not convincing when he spoke about his future with media Tuesday afternoon, he was less convincing with the Chicago Bears players later in the day after the team wrapped up his second walkthrough at Walter Payton Center in Lake Forest. The embattled coach said a patch.com report that the Bears have told them he will be fired after Thursday's game against the Lions is not accurate, but according to multiple sources, he offered little to make players believe he will be around much longer, leaving at least some players dismayed at the organization's lack of direction. That was before Nagy canceled all meetings scheduled for the rest of Tuesday afternoon and evening, the sources said, a highly unusual move that prompted one source to wonder if Nagy is resigned to his fate and leaves me to wonder if Nagy isn't contemplating resigning right now and yeah, saying, that's what I was going to say, fuck what, this. Resign. resign is the good word. If you're Matt Nagy, right now, I mean, of course, I know his contract has to play into it, but 
in terms of your ego. Mm-hmm. Now, if, if you want to really empathize with the man for just a moment, if we could all pretend that we liked him, mm-hmm. we wished him well, especially when he got hired. If you could just be pro Nagy for a second, mm-hmm. if you're Matt Nagy right now, you have to be thinking, man, fuck this team. Mm-hmm. Like, what do you mean? How can they fire me in the media and not just come to me? So I, I wouldn't be surprised if he told his agent, hey, find a way for me to resign and not lose any money. This is Dave McGinnis all over again. That's why I found that. That's why I played that, because this is, again, is another botched operation by the Chicago Bears management. This is totally fucked up. And I do care enough for a fellow human being to see that he is being treated here like a fucking idiot. Yeah, I don't like Matt Nagy. Yeah, I don't want him coaching my football team. Yeah, I don't want him coaching my kids' football team. But that doesn't matter. He is being treated unfairly here. He should, If they really knew that they were going to fire him, they should have kept their fucking mouths shut until after the game on Thursday and then did the deed or should have fired him at the bye because they should have known by then. And they would have given them time during that bye week to set up some type of structure for the rest of the season. This is so fucked up. And, you know, I I, I hate to be here defending Matt Nagy, but the fuck, man, it's, it's bad enough that his kid is being, you know, abused at a football game. But now it, this is even worse, and it's worse for us fans, man, because we're seeing this dysfunctional fucking football team, and we start to question, is, is this really a good idea to be spending so much time following these fucking idiots? <laughs> Maybe the Chargers would have been a better idea for you, Dan. <laughs> I, I don't know. I, don't, I mean, like I said, I don't know what to say. Uh, canceling the meetings and all that, like if I'm trying to put myself in his position, you have to think that's – that's got to be something to do with this report. It has to be. Yeah. Oh, fucking sure. It has to be uh, like, what What are you doing, guys? Like, I'm getting bombarded with questions. Am I the coach or am I not the fucking coach? Exactly. Exactly. I mean, wouldn't you do that? I mean, you've told me some I, things I about any your person. Any fair-minded person listening or watching would say it would be thinking right now, if you want to fire me, then fucking co- find somebody else to coach Thursday. Like, why am I coaching Thursday if I if I'm done after the game? Fuck, it, let's be done now. Mm-hmm. Like, why would you coach it? And again, I I don't want to veer off too much, but follow me on this. And uh, so, uh, when Wani was at Pitt, uh, and he had Shady McCoy and stuff like West Virginia, and I say this because I'm from West Virginia, but uh, I was still rooting for Pitt though, <laughs> but because I like Wani, you know. But uh, the, West Virginia was like 28 point favorites in Morgantown. All they had to do was beat Pitt, which was their rival before college football became, you know, all about money and they have to play teams in Texas and shit that aren't anywhere near us. But all they had to do was beat Pitt to play for the national championship. The 20 point, 28 point favorites, they lose the game. Mm-hmm. And before they, they're going to a lesser bowl game now, Rich Rodriguez just says, fuck it, I'm done. Because he was trying to go to Michigan anyway, which ended up being a failure for him. But he didn't go ahead and coach the bowl game mm-hmm. because the report came out that he was going to be leaving after the bowl game. So instead of that, I don't know whose decision it was, either coaches or West Virginia's. Somewhere along the lines, they said, fuck it, don't even coach the bowl game. You're leaving. So why coach the next game? You're gone. You're done. So same thing can apply here if you're Nagy. If I'm done Friday, I'm done on Wednesday. Why Why am I going to coach Thursday? Mm-hmm. I mean, it, really, if you're Nagy, why would you want to coach Thursday? I, 
uh, I think, you know, I, I would respect them more if these reports are true. I would respect them uh, uh, a bit more if he just said, oh, it's fucking over. I ain't going to do this. Now, a couple of great comments here. Uh, where was uh, uh, um, Mr. Mack? Or was it Mr. Mack? No, or Muck Muck said something about, do you think that they're trying to force Nagy to resign? Which some employers try to do that. Let's not fucking pay the rest of this contract. Let's let's see if we can get him to resign and just fuck with him. That's pretty diabolical. If that was, <laughs> it would be. <laughs> I don't know the team that never fires anybody in in the middle of the season. I just I could be gullible, but I don't think that they're maniacal like that. I just don't. Yeah. What about what Jamal says? He asked the question: Do you think that the fans? that the, the McCaskey family is reacting to the fans and um, basically being the, the, the pressuring. This is his chat room. Thanks, uh, Tooch. Do you think Bears ownership is being pressured by the fans to make a move here? Probably the thing at the United Center didn't help. <laughs> Fucking A. <laughs> I mean, seriously, they probably, they had to have seen it. They had to have. Sure. To quote, you know, from a few years ago, maybe that pissed Virginia off again. Yep. Hey, by the way, you got to give it up to Bulls fans. They surely know their football, right? They booed Mitch Trubisky. And- they hated Mitch. <laughs> <laughs> Those Bulls fans, they know, they know a winner when they see them, and they know a loser. <laughs> and they like Fields. That's right. That's good, man. I'm so proud to be a Bulls fan. <laughs> <laughs> they like Fields, so maybe again, that's something else. You know, I if he really does have the same injury that Sims had that we talked about via text, if it's his spleen, he's got to be done the rest of the year. Yeah. Back truth nine has uh has a question for me. He says, as upsetting as this sounds, would you feel better with Nagy here Monday or gone? Or would you rather this all be false and Nagy's here to the end of the season? Listen, I, you know, I think he has to be fired in season because of the new rule that allows you to get a jump start on interviewing coaching prospects starting week 16. So he's got to be fired. What? But the, the, the issue I think that we're talking about here is how botched this whole fucking thing is. You, you think these fucking players are going to be prepared to play on Thanksgiving Day? They're, gonna, they're, they're not. This, you know, this is all they're talking about. Tayshawn Gibson saying, yeah, it's, we really haven't been talking about it much in the locker room. Bullshit. Bullshit. Brad Biggs. Credit Brad Big. Sometimes I get on him for not, you know, digging in and getting breaking news. He was fucking doing it today when he issued this report at 831 Central uh, over at ChicagoTribune.com. Great job, Brad Biggs. You're getting the story. These these guys, everybody in the team, and I bet you almost everybody at Hallisaw in the organization, they're saying, holy fuck, man, this is like uh, – the other McCaskey, he fucked that old Dave McGinnis thing up. He's fucking this thing up too. This is so embarrassing, man. Can we talk about your sex life? Do you want to do that now? I mean, it's still pretty early in the show. I know. I'm just, I'm, I'm getting horny. <laughs> <laughs> I, I want to say one more thing real quick. Please. Let's go back, rewind just a minute. Okay. Uh, I, in my reminiscing of the old, the old days, I still think one of the the moves that I feel like that the Bears, like it was a bad move uh, of letting this guy go. I, I thought we should have kept Mark Carrier, the safety. I thought that guy should have retired a Bear, hard hitting. Ten interceptions in his rookie year. 
yeah, it could get interceptions and was a fucking man. If anything, mm. he probably hit too hard. Like he, today's game, he'd be considered filthy dirty. Oh, yeah. Uh, but I thought that that was a, a move that really hurt us going into, say, the, the middle of Wani's turn, uh, was losing uh, his presence at safety. And then Gale retired too. So then you lost the stability of having two good safeties back there. And that's part of what really hurt Wani the rest of the way through. But having said that, my question was to you or the the the, the ballroom here, what is who? What are anyone else's memories on these bad teams? Oh man, yeah, I got I, <laughs> I got to go back to that one in thirteen season. This is the first. Was it my first? Yeah, I, it was probably my first full season where every game, I was either watching it on TV or listening to the radio, and I think most of the home games were on the radio because they had the NFL had a blackout rule. If the, if the if the stadium wasn't sold out, then you could not telecast it locally. Fucked up stupid rule. But I listened to or watched every game, so it was really into the season. Prior to that season in 1967, I started becoming acclimated with the Bears and Gale Sayers and Dick Butkus and was reading all these articles about how great they were and so forth. Well, the fucking season goes falls apart. You know, it's awful. And I was just so dejected, but I loved the game and I loved the Bears uniforms and I loved the history that I've been reading about. And I said, fuck it, it's just a bad year. But no, it was a bad, fucking bad decade or two after that. So, so I'll ask people in the chat room, what do you, what are some of the terrible seasons? I saw Stephen Nagishi actually like had a list of, uh, see if you can find that for me too. Uh, Stephen Nagishi listed a number of years. I think many of them were the same ones that you were talking about. But they, there's just, for me, I'm a 63 year old man. There's just too fucking many to pick from. You know, but that one in 13 definitely did leave an emotional scar. And it was also on top of other Chicago sports disasters. The year later, the Chicago Blackhawks make it to the Stanley Cup playoffs. Game seven here in Chicago, they're winning two to nothing. And the Canadians fucking score three goals late in the game and beat the Blackhawks. I literally fucking cried. The Chicago Cubs had a 10-game lead September 1st, one month to go in the season. They lose the 10-game lead. They're out of the playoffs. Amazing Mets go to the World Series, and they win it all. And I'm crying again. And on and the Bulls didn't have good teams back then either. And I'm like thinking, man, maybe I should have stayed in, <laughs> in fucking New York where I live. Stephen Nagishi says the 1992, 97, 98, 2002, 2004, 2014, 2016, yeah, 2021. He's got them all, man. <laughs> Four was bad when Rex got hurt and they <sighs> went to um, that fucker, uh, uh, Jonathan Quinn. Mm -hmm. But yeah, it was Lovey's first year. So you, you hope that. At least I did, because uh, that's the year the um, you sort of started to see Bernard Barry and emerge. You started to see Tommy Harris emerge. So it looked like, and, and Lance Briggs was in his second year, and Charles Tillman was in his second year, and obviously Erlacher had a tough 04 and would bounce back uh, with the. Remember that's the year he was named uh, most overrated player. Yeah. And uh, but it still it felt like Grossman will be back. You got Thomas Jones. Uh, it just felt like this team is going to get better quick. 
least that's the way I viewed it. Like, so I did, that's the only reason I didn't put 04 in there because there was hope, but yet watching Jonathan Quinn and Chad Hutchinson play out the string, it, it was dreadful. Mm-hmm. Oh my gosh. Dreadful. You know, the bears, I don't know if anybody remembers this toward the end of the season there, they signed a guy that I always had an affinity for because of his arm and uh, Cutler would always get painted with the comparison to this unfavorably but he never got on the field, but they signed Jeff George at the end of that year. Oh, and I, and I was always hoping that they would put Jeff George in the like last yes. four or five games I just totally. to see what he had, man. Cause he, he was like begging for an opportunity. Totally. You know, Cause he sort of that. got blackballed, you know, you know, just sort of one of those guys like, uh, the, what was the guy's name in, in Oakland? That was too heavy that uh, you know, they basically he's out of the league after being the first overall pick in the draft. Oh, yeah. And we just said he's a fat fuck, and that's it. <laughs> and uh, he spent like four years working with Jeff Garcia every year and got into like absolutely great shape, and no one would give him the time of day oh, because it was just written that he was a bust. He Who was, was the first that overall pick for the Raiders. Listen, the quarterback, right? Jamarcus. Yeah, Russell. the quarterback. That's what I'm saying. He, they said he was too fat and he wasn't dedicated. He didn't know the plays. And he spent all these years getting slim with Garcia working out and couldn't even get a, 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 a tryout with the I, team. I didn't know that, that he had lost the weight and got in shape. I did not know that. Yeah, and Jeff Garcia was took him under his wing and was trying to teach him to watch the film and, mm-hmm. you know, and make him a pro. But the, 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 the jury was already out, and they said, "Oh, he's a bust. He's a he's a fat fuck, and he can't play, and he he doesn't have any, uh, you know, dedication." And he was done. The same thing with Jeff George. Whenever they put the thing, the you know, hey, that's the story. You're done. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, it's kind of hard to overcome that. You you to get an opportunity when everyone says that you don't deserve it. Wow, like Ray Rice. Ray, you know, Rice. yeah, you hit your wife. You're done, man. You're that's done. Right. No one's gonna give you another shot now. And and maybe that's right. I don't know. I'm just saying. But in the other guys, this is like Jeff George. People just basically say he was an asshole. Yeah. I don't know. I don't know, man. I, I, you always want to give people a second shot. You know, when somebody hits their wife, man, that's hard to overlook that. No, no, I agree. I agree. Uh, and somebody hits their wife in the way that what happened to him. I. I can say that when Vic got out of jail, I wanted Vic to get another opportunity because he served his time. You know, even if I'm an animal lover too, mm-hmm. and it's heinous on what he did with the dog fighting and all that shit, but he went to jail. He owes me nothing now. He owes society nothing except to try to atone, and he atoned with his jail time. So when Vic came out, I thought, you know, it's, it's fucked up if they don't give him another shot. Mm-hmm. So... I don't know. Ray Rice was kind of already going downhill talent-wise at the time too, as he was in his middle thirties. So I think I think if he'd have been Ray Rice from like twenty, like twenty-seven, twenty-eight, I bet he'd have got another shot. Yeah, for sure. All right, um, I want to bring the Tooch in here, but before we do, we got to talk about this uh, sexual escapade that you've been uh, indulging in. Not using the proper words, but uh, <laughs> but I'm really looking forward to really listening to this. To listening to this. Why is why am I echoing? Why am I echoing? Um, <laughs> I don't know. I guess you got excited. <laughs> <laughs> that is weird. Am I still echoing? Testing, testing. No, no, okay. I don't hear anything. Um, I didn't hear you echo anyway. Okay, good. Maybe it was in your headset. I, it I it could be uh, because I had a gummy bear. <laughs> <laughs> well, I think it's important to like again without to give you. 
try to give you the best summary I could because the context matters. From last so week. So last week when we were on the show, mm-hmm. I was pretty down and we spent a, a large number, a large percentage of the time talking about it. So I had this sexual encounter with the lady I'd been talking with and seeing and, uh, and you know, all this stuff on, on she was really hands-on, really physical, really aggressive with me, you know, like uh, it, just in minor things, you know. And again, she's she was, you know, close to being 50, but she absolutely didn't look it. I can assure you of that. Mm-hmm. Smart lady. I don't want to say her profession on there or give any indication to have her to say I'm besmirching her, you know. Mm-hmm. But uh, smart, attractive, older, mature. And like I said, she just was really into me, wanting to talk four hours at a clip. Nice. When we're in public she wants my arm around her she wants me to hold her hand i'm trying to watch a fucking movie she's kissing me like we're 19 we've never been in the movies together you know it's like the lights are out our parents are gone so let's fuck in the theater i guess you know Uh and she's way hotter than i am so it's not like i had something like to you know the point is you know she's really aggressive so she wants to go back to the house we go there uh, we, she like, we make out for like an hour before like anything. Cause I'm still like, not sure, you know, that clumsy moment, like, is it okay to hit to, the, to touch the breast yet? I don't mm-hmm. know. And eventually I make my move. Cause I'm like, okay, what the fuck are we doing this for? If we're not going any farther. And, and then, but as far as I want to go, she keeps going. So, okay. So here we go. We, we go to the encounter, go down on her. She comes twice. And then we've had all this buildup. I haven't masturbated in a while, and she made me feel really light. Not trying to be like a big baby here, poor you. But all this attention and all this touchy-feely, you know? And I just felt like for one moment, I didn't have to be the aggressor. She just was into me. So I think I've had a week to think about that. And all that culminated with me having a fast orgasm, which, again... (laughs) It's embarrassing, oh. but I'm telling you this because the shows bear our souls, right? right. Oh. So I, I definitely come within th- probably three minutes. Oh no! <laughs> oh yeah. So <laughs> I apologize to her and tell her that I can revive. She comforts me and says, "I've you know I've already come. Uh, I've got to work early in the morning. It's okay. Don't be mad, but I got to go soon." And she lays her head on my chest. Uh, and talks for about 20 minutes, whatever. She goes, when she's leaving, she drive, she's driving home. She's got about a 40-minute drive. She's texting me because I happen to be on the pop radio, one of our pop radio stations that day. It was quote-unquote voice track, which is, means recorded. Right. So she says, I'm listening to you on the radio right now. You know, so I think everything's good. She's listening to me on the radio. She, she tried to make me feel better when I came like an idiot. And, and then the next day she ghosts me. So with that in mind, that we, we had all these reasons to say it's her, it's not me, and maybe she had another guy, but it was in the back of my mind. Okay. To like, you know, fuck, I don't even want to have sex again. Like, not for a while, you know, because this shit, like the context of that, man, it's like I just threw five picks in a game, you know? Like, <laughs> like fucking just go ahead and put me on the bench for a few weeks, man. I and the, the guy, the guy's name, it just popped to me. It was Jamarcus Russell, the, the heavy guy for the Raiders. But anyway, so on Sunday, watched the game with Holly and all that. And like, the, I made no moves. I have no idea what she thinks about me. Uh, I, <laughs> I was going to joke and say she was kind of like Hillary Clinton when I was around her, you know, like, <laughs> but 
Uh, I don't want to, again, denigrate her in some way. But, yeah, we just watched the game. It was all, you know, it seemed fun. I have no fucking clue what she thinks about me. And it's fine, whatever. She doesn't have to think anything about me. Uh, but, again, the context of that, because I guess when she left, I wanted to just, whether it's good or bad, I kind of sent her a text and was like, hey, well, what are your thoughts? And uh, that was Sunday, and I still haven't gotten her thoughts. So I was like, damn, I must have been bad. You know, like, I thought it went okay. So now you got two things I'm thinking about. And then you put the Bears' loss on top of it. Mm-hmm. As yeah. I was talking to you in Texas, like, man, I'm just down. Like, uh, the fucking theater thing, and then the I can't can't work out. It's rain. Like, what am I gonna do, man? <laughs> so after we we were texting last night, literally at like 1:30, as you recall, like 1:30 my time. You're like, okay, amigo, I'm going to bed. So I sat down and was watching that JFK documentary I told you about on Showtime. Yeah, I started watching it. It's really good. Yeah, so I was figured I'm going to – I already watched it once. I figured, fuck it, I'll get sucked into this thing. You get into that rabbit hole, you kind of lose your sense of reality anyway. Right. And next thing I know, I get a text from a woman whom I I first met in 2006. I don't want to embarrass her. Plus, we sort of worked – we don't work in the same agency. Okay. But it's somebody I kind of have to deal with through my job, and I don't want to embarrass her professionally. You know? so, so you can't name her name. I don't want to say her name. I, I think she would be cool with it, but I don't know for a hundred percent. Can so can we call her assume. can we call her Florence? <laughs> Any name. Just give her a name. Okay. Um <laughs> we'll go with Florence then if that's what you want. <laughs> Thank you. Uh, but so the lady whom I met in 06 and over the years had uh I think we'd we'd oh. gone down at each other, you know. We never had sex. Uh, I don't know. I can't really tell you why that is like 100%, but it just never, whatever. We just both like did some good oral stuff. Uh-huh. And we were both kind of in a hurry. Whatever. I, I'd probably been with her intimately four or five times over the years. Okay. Is that porn in the background? <laughs> I got a little sound effect going on. Go ahead. Go ahead. <laughs> She's single now. She's single now. She sends me a text and she says, Hey, I know, you know, because she knows I work midnights. Right. She's like, Is it too late? I mean, would you want me to come over? And I was like, Fuck yeah, I want you to come over. (laughs) So again, this unexpected text to come and save me from the abyss. And she comes over and, you know, we do the, you got to talk for like an hour. You can't just, like, well, come on and take down your pants. You know, it's not that simple. And, uh, and nor should it be, nor do, did I want it to be, because I did want to talk to her. I, I haven't, I've talked to her professionally on the radio and stuff like that, but I haven't seen her since, like, Tressman was our coach. Uh huh. So, yeah, we're talking, man. And, uh, you know, so good things happen, but here's the best part of the story. So good, good things happen. The whole time I'm thinking in the back of my head, you cannot come. You cannot <laughs> come. So That's the worst thing you can tell yourself. It's affecting <laughs> my ability, not my ability, because I, I, I'm working. You know, it's it's there. All the air's in the tire. But it's affecting my ability to enjoy it. Um, like, not the oral stuff, but me trying to fuck, you know? <laughs> Eventually, she sucks me off there. Here's the part. That's part. We, so we wake up. We wake up. And, uh, you know, I'm, I, I just, I'm fucking hard as a brick, you know, when I wake up for some reason this particular day. And uh, so she gets on top anyway. So she's doing her thing on top, 
And next thing I know, like, uh, it's probably like 10 minutes in. It's not anything great, but it's feeling really good. And I'm like, fuck it. She came last night. I'm going. I'm going. And so here goes. I blast off. And she tells me this. She says, oh, my God, we just came at the same time. And I was like, bullshit. You know, I was like, what is that, like a movie? She's like, no, no, no. We came at the same time. And I was like, holy fuck. That's cool, man. Yeah. So it really cheered me up. It cheered me up. So I took her to dinner after that. <laughs> but uh, uh, yeah, man, it was so cool. Like it, it was, I was so down at that exact moment in life. She, she'd never know how down I was at that second. Yeah. No clue. I didn't waste any of the time talking about that shit. I did tell her about the, the, the quick orgasm thing later. Not, not then, but um, yeah. So the fact that, I did well. She came and all this stuff. Did a little, little squirting, little mm-hmm. squirting sensation. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, yeah. And uh, she says that's not some she, something she can do all the time. So that gave me a little manly man, stick my <laughs> chest out kind of thing. Uh, but then, like I said, the next morning or afternoon when we, she says we did it at the same time. Yeah. That made me feel like I atoned for the fucking shit orgasm the week before, or the two weeks before, whatever. Yeah, you need So that. that made me feel... Like it, that got me like, I, I like, it's like you, know, some people drown their sorrows in alcohol. I drowned mine in pussy and <laughs> I came out the other side. No pun intended. <laughs> Steven me says that he just tuned in. He's sitting in the Dublin airport waiting for a flight. And he says he may have to find a restroom to beat off to this. <laughs> <laughs> It just seems like if you tried that, they they would arrest. Like they don't fuck around at airports now. <laughs> no. It seems like if you masturbated at an airport, they would, especially if it has something to do with America, they would send you to like Guantanamo Bay. <laughs> the other thing that when you, you would were, be waterboarded for being off at an airport here. <laughs> yes, exactly. <laughs> the other thing that reminded me when you're sharing the story, uh, and you're not, you're trying not to ejaculate. You're, you're saying, "Don't come, don't come, don't yeah, come." Don't come, don't come. <laughs> it reminds me of the movie. I think it's uh, Annie Hall with Woody Allen, and oh, where he's fucking a kid. <laughs> <laughs> he's fucking. I think it was. I think it was Heather. What was her name? Anyway, uh, it was Harry Ka- Hemingway, wasn't it? No, no, no. That's M- Manhattan. Uh, oh. that, yeah, that's that's Manhattan when he's uh, having sex with a seventeen-year-old, which is disgusting. Given now what we've learned about the allegations against him, but in the previous movie, he's has a relationship with Diane Keaton. But there's a, sec- a section of the movie where he's dating around because they've broken up, and so he's having sex with Carol Kane, is the name of the actress. Oh, I and, know. And and she says, you know, um, so you know, why were you, why were you? Uh, moaning slide 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 while we were having sex he goes well it helps me uh helps me avoid pre-ejaculation so i think about woolly maze (laughs) 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 i can fuck up a good joke but even that one made me laugh (laughs) yeah and i feel bad like i've never been a woody allen fan uh, and Combine that with all like that HBO documentary. I'm definitely not a fan, but that's funny. Yeah, he's, he's that was made, fucking funny. He's made some uh, good movies over the years, but apparently he's a weirdo. Although, give him the test. Ask him, did she sleep? Yeah, that's a good question. Bear Truth Nine. He wants to know if your uh, female friend did she go to sleep right after? Which one? 
the one that had the orgasm at the same time. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. We went to sleep. See, uh, she came over at like 3 o'clock in the morning. She messaged me at like 2.30, and I had been trying to work out, watch the JFK thing. So, you know, you know how it is. You work out, you got sweaty balls. You know, you can't just be like, come on over and suck my sweaty-ass cock. So I was like, look, I need a little bit of time to take a shower. Uh, and again, you can't just come out and say, in case we fuck, but, <laughs> exactly. you know, it's not assured that you're going to fuck. So she she got over by 3, 3.30, and we probably got started around 5 or so. And we, we probably, we went to bed, because I, I did some uh, some decent oral work. We probably went to sleep about 8, wow. and then I woke up about 3 with a really good heart on, you nice. know, like the kind of would cut diamonds, you know? Uh-huh. And so she took advantage of that. And I mean that in the most favorable way. And uh, yeah, so evidently uh, we played some the music notes together. And that was today after she had fallen asleep. So yes. (laughs) Did you record this while you were having sex with her? No, no, not at all. Oh, man. You know what I know Carol Kane from? I knew the name. She was in Carnal Knowledge with Nicholson. Yes. She's in Dog Day Afternoon with Pacino. Yes. She's in. She's credited on her Wikipedia. I'm not making this up. In The Last Detail, the movie with Randy Quaid and Nicholson. Oh, I don't remember as, that. As, quote, young whore. <laughs> she played young whore in The Last Detail. And, she's uh, gorgeous, Another film man. that I knew her in. From 1988, Licensed to Drive with Corey Ham and Corey Feldman. I never saw and Heather one. Graham. Yeah, she had the beautiful, curly, long, long hair. She was gorgeous. Um, all right, it is time to bring the Tooch in. Are you ready for this? Yeah, I love Tooch, but I, well, let me ask you, what's your reaction to my story? Because you weren't here last week about the quick come and all that stuff. And then the redemption, I feel like I, feel like I nodded on myself figuratively. And like missed a layout, like I was like Charles Smith against the Bulls. Yeah, you know, like missing four layups to lose a game, but yet I came back. Or maybe I'm Jordan against Cleveland in Game Four when he missed some free throws to cause that game to go to Game Five. Yeah, and then he hits the shot on I think it was Craig Elo, right? Craig so yeah. for Rocket. Mm-hmm. So yeah, uh, I felt like again, it's the only way I could ever equate myself to Jordan in some way. But the fact I felt like I went from the goat. And I mean that in the old school, meaning that you fucked up. Yep. To like you've come through in the clutch, no pun intended. Yeah. But I feel like I went from the zero to hero. There you go. Well, and from goat to goat, you know, old goat to <laughs> new gold, right? Well, let me tell you first of all, because you're like a you're like a, a a little brother to me. I'm really proud of you, little brother. <laughs> <laughs> well, thank you. I first of all, I. I you know, I don't know this this lady, the first one that you that that's ghosted you and stuff, but that's just a terrible thing for somebody to do, especially if it's because of you know premature ejaculation. That's just a terrible thing. I think women should know that you don't do that to a guy because you could really destroy their sense of the, their self esteem, and don't make jokes about how small my penis. I mean, people's penises might be. <laughs> <laughs> just stay away from that, all right? Because that can be really, really hurtful. But secondly, and more importantly, I love the way you got back on the saddle. People in the chat room were saying, yeah, come on over right away. Sure. <laughs> they, they love that quote from you when, you when you told her to come on over right away. And I agree with you. You got back on the saddle. You wanted to prove yourself. And, and you, I was afraid. 
I'm not gonna lie, I was afraid I'd fuck up again. So <laughs> if you could say I was scared of pussy for that 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 <laughs> moment in time, I was. I felt so relieved later. <laughs> that is outstanding. So yeah, I was like, man, I was afraid of failure during it. There's no way around it. Yeah, well, you know what? I think a lot of guys go through that. You know, you go through a, an episode where, um, you know, you have premature ejaculation or you're you can't get it up not that this ever happened to oh, me oh that, that's terrible <laughs> Just, but why, could, yeah. why couldn't me come and be like a, a compliment to her because she'd already come twice with me eating her why couldn't that just be like damn baby your pussy's good like yeah yeah i i, I couldn't i couldn't help it it was so fucking good why isn't that a compliment yeah like, to me if someone was like oh my god your dick your dick i just came in three minutes i'd be like well, thank you. Yeah. Yeah, it's like a fucking sin on the other side of it. But anyway, go ahead. Toa says that Dan Aguirre could teach Matt Nagy a thing or two. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know about that. No, you know what? And it, it reminds me, when I was a teenager and I was going out with my first girlfriend, and we, you know, we were having sex all the time, all the time. And there were a handful of times where I would, like, I put it in and wham, oh, game over. Sorry, honey, give me 20 minutes. I'll be ready to rock and roll again. And But she was great about it. You know, she had this kind of, like you just said, she had this sense of, wow, you know, you really like it that much. She was like two or three years older than me. And I was like, yeah, well, you know, I'm fucking 15 years old, so I I could come in a stiff breeze. <laughs> so, um, so I, I can relate to what you went through, um, but I'm proud of you, man. That's the way to do it. Now, just keep it up, so to speak. <laughs> yeah, keep it up, that's for sure. Man. Keep it up. Let's ask Johnny Santucci if he's ever had uh, premature ejaculation issues. Johnny, how are you? Hey everybody! What what's going on in here? <laughs> uh, I'm glad Dan has recovered. You know, we were we were worried about him after that last show. Yeah, you know, and uh, I know he had a uh, uh, in the back of his head. You know, don't come, don't come. That's how I feel. You know, that's why I tell myself when uh, I hear news about Matt Nagy being fired. <laughs> <laughs> well played. <laughs> By the way, PJ says, uh, if we're being honest here, and PJ is uh, a former uh, police officer, so thank you for your service. Dan has some good, handy pussy and brandy. Why waste his time with these other women? Gotta learn to stick with a winner. Learn to read the room. Brandy is a keeper. Wow, that's Brandy's nice. He's awesome. I, I'm not opposed to seeing brandy in any fashion. We just we're both we're both busy you know like yeah. we're both uh it's we it's not it's not to say it's not advantageous it's not conducive to our work schedules i guess to see each other a lot so right but yeah brandy's got phenomenal genitals if you want <laughs> <laughs> uh what about your genitals tooch how they uh been behaving lately they're uh they were they were tingling during that story <laughs> yeah, I know the uh, feeling. Uh, <laughs> like through Dan, so please, Dan, don't yep. premature ejaculate anymore. <laughs> Old married men, you know, we got to we, we got to have Dan bend our ears, you know. Which <laughs> <laughs> right. uh, so, uh, before uh, we talk about anything else, do you have anything to uh, add regarding uh, all this Matt Nagy, you know? 
issue. I know you've been listening intently as you've been yeah. manning the, the background uh, technical stuff. What are your thoughts on how the Bears have handled this? Uh, I know you feel like you, you've been calling for Nagy's ouster since uh, since you were like three or four years old. <laughs> <laughs> I was, uh, you know, I, I, I did. Call, I wanted Nagy gone after year two. I just, you know, knew that we weren't going. We would never win a championship. Right. I knew that it would end in him eventually being fired. So why not mm. cut the cut the cord now? You know, let him go. We'd be we'd be if we had done that, we'd be two years ahead right now with some new coach. The offense would be starting to hum. You know, right. we'd have uh, uh, a Justin Fields, you know, uh, in in the fold here, maybe learning behind some other veteran quarterback. Mm -hmm. uh, but uh, I, I can't say it's surprising. You know, although you and I have been Bears fans for a very long time. Mm -hmm. And this, the, the, when I heard the news today, you know, of course I was got a little excited. I was like, finally, you mm -hmm. know, Christmas came early, <laughs> <laughs> but, uh, but uh, I, 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 you know, I, I, the story didn't make a lot of sense. Yeah. You know, when you, when you, when you think about when you unpack it, try to read between the lines, because why would, why would, uh, why would they say, uh, you know, after the, after the Lions game, we're going to fire you. You know, but hey, could you could, could you could you could you coach the game? You know, yeah. for us. Uh, you know, and uh, it's hard to believe. I, yeah, and then I, I looked at the sources like Patch.com and that Mark Conkle. You know, I was like, okay, these really aren't aren't you know your typical news source for Bears. And then you know, an NBC five Chicago sports post. You know, it was posted on Twitter about the same same story. You know, and then. You had the Matt Nagy press conference, you know, denying everything. Mm -hmm. And then uh, Brad Biggs coming out again, like he had a little chat with, and you, you wonder what was in that chat. Was it, hey, Matt, you know, this wasn't us, Dave mcginnis you. It was, uh, it was uh, you know, just, uh, you know, misinformation. Mm -hmm. Or was it like, uh, you know, the, 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 somebody knew something, it got out, you know, hey, we're going to fire fire him he's gone you know and uh somehow it you know got down the line as far as being uh we're gonna fire him after the lions game which you know again didn't make any sense who does that then you think it's so bears to do something like that you know announce something oh, something prematurely you're speaking of pre premature whether it's, <laughs> whether it's ejaculation or, or press releases you know <laughs> here we are in the in the bears cycle right we're, we're, mm -hmm. we're still in that cycle of uh, Matt Nagy, the cycle, you know, that you and I are very tired of, although being older Bears fans, mm -hmm. you know, we, we like we, we have to sleep things like this off. Yep. <laughs> old, exactly. old bears in a cave, you know, yep. just sleep, sleeping off the, the drudgery of the McCaskey uh, incompetence. But and, and that's a great way to put it, uh, Tooch, uh, sleeping off that McCaskey incompetence, because this yeah. is now a it has clearly become a family situation where, you know, one son fucked it up and now the other son is apparently fucking it up, too. And I've just got a report from somebody that I can't name the source, but apparently Matt Nagy um, at that meeting. He told management, don't fucking put my family through this. Don't do it. If you're going to fire me, fire me now. And um, that's the unconfirmed report that I'm getting. And so uh, oh, I agree with Nagy on that. That isn't fair. Absolutely. 
I respect them even more now. That makes more sense. Yep. And so, yeah, if this is true, and he went to management at that uh, scheduled meeting and said, don't put me fucking through this. Don't put my family through this. If you're going to fire me, fire me now. He did the right thing. And I don't think any of us should be surprised that. um, Let me see. Getting more information here. Do you think that the Bears would be intimidated by that and say, fuck it, we were going to fire him and now. Let's just let him work the rest of the way through the season. <laughs> I was thinking about that, but I, yes. mean, I can picture the like the blue bloods, McCaskies. You know, oh, oh my gosh, oh, I'm so offended. You know, don't, don't. Oh no, we'll make things right. You know, just they don't know how to interact socially. I mean, I, I'm just guessing. They seem like you know upper crust people who have no, you know, concept of lower class people. You know, if uh, if, uh, if you get my meaning, you know, that's, they don't understand how how uh, people who don't who aren't filthy rich, you know, uh, are, you know, they don't know if, they don't know what offends the regular Joe, mm-hmm. you know, whether it's you know whether it's just oblivious insensitivity or uh, or or they do it on purpose. I don't think they're that cunning where they release this thing. Hey, let's re- put this out there and see how he reacts. You know, yeah. <laughs> I don't think they're that smart, you know. Uh, they've they've got they've got the, the the Arlington Park thing in the works right now. They probably don't want to gum that up, you know. Mm-hmm. Otherwise, Arlington Heights is going to call and say, you know, we were, we really would like to put a winner in here. You know, mm-hmm. not, uh, I mean, although I don't know who the mayor of your town is, but you know, maybe he's having second thoughts. But. I bet he is. I mean, I think <laughs> I think that's one of the things that I heard on sports radio today is that the pressure is on the McCaskey family to put together a winning team because that makes it easier for Illinois legislators to approve, you know, helping them out, you know, uh, paying for the infrastructure changes going to be massive amounts of infrastructure dollars needed to build roads to the stadium, to build extra lanes on route 53, et cetera, et cetera. This is huge. And if you are the laughing stock of the NFL, uh, partly because your coach doesn't know, where uh, the first down marker is and where his penis is, then you, you got fucking problems. By the way, PJ <laughs> says something that I think is excellent. He says, keep in mind that Fangio's defense was the reason for our success in 2018. So true. So fucking true. It's not like Matt Nagy did anything other than a couple of trick plays on national TV and everybody was like, ooh, oh, that echo. Wow, we've never seen that before. Fucker. <laughs> it was fun to see like Akeem Hicks mirroring William Perry, you know. Oh, yeah. It didn't feel like the team was fun though. You know, that's the thing in 18 yeah. when he was coach of the year, at least the team was fun to watch. And even maybe it was fun because we were winning, but it just felt like the whole vibe was positive. Mm-hmm. And you know, the club dub stuff seemed organic and not forced. Yep. But by 19, it just felt like the whole thing was disingenuous. Mm-hmm. You so, morons! Culture. <laughs> it felt phony after that first season, you know, after the second season, whatever the first season, it felt pretty, you know, per, like things were on the upswing swing. And then, you know, after that, it, it seems so phony. I've always said like Matt Nagy's fake laugh, you know, that just turns me off. It just seems so in, you know, fake, disingenuous. Yep. <laughs> How you like to come be a bear? Yeah, kid. You know, I, <laughs> then he's, you know, then he, he same thing with like, uh, he, he, what, when he told Jordan Howard, I promise I'm going to get you going and then never run the ball. You know, the, the, the thing he, they, the Bears needed to do the most last Sunday was run the goddamn ball. Here we are four years, 
mm-hmm. four years later, and he still doesn't run the ball. You got David Montgomery and Khalil Herbert and Damian Williams. Start throwing these guys at Baltimore. Wear that defense down. They, that game was very winnable. Very winnable. And that's how they won against the Raiders was running the damn ball. <laughs> yeah, exactly. I, he he just does not like to run the ball, you know, and we need a coach that is smart enough to know the plays to call to win a game. You know, that's the basic, that, that's it. You the only reason that the Cleveland Browns have a winning record, if they still have a winning record, I haven't checked lately, but it's because they were relying on their run game because Baker Mayfield is inconsistent. Baker Mayfield is a slightly better uh, Mitchell Trubisky. That's it. And so Kevin F- uh, uh, Stefanski realized, yeah, I, don't, I have a quarterback here that I really can't trust with the passing game. So give me another running back. They signed Kareem Hunt, and uh, they've got this two-headed running back. And so that's what Matt Nagy should have done as opposed to saying, they didn't bring me here to run the eye and giving up on the run game as soon as there was a met negative uh, rush. You know, he just, his ego, as Dan has said a million times and Tucci said another million times, his ego had just gotten in the way. Time to go. Sorry, brother. Yeah, the, the, Baker Mayfield is, the, the Browns are figuring out he's really not that good. I mean, look at the, the game against the Lions. They almost lost that game. Yep. Like I tell you, if I'm if I'm going to bet. They would have. Yeah. If I'm going to bet, yeah, if they if the Lions would have won that game, I think the Bears have a better chance of beating the Lions in Detroit because they'd be all fat and happy, you know, and the Bears, you know, coming into Detroit have a chance to catch them while they're celebrating off their first win of the season. Mm-hmm. But, I mean, I'll tell you, I, I like the Lions plus three and a half in this game. I'll tell you, I don't, I don't know. If, if you knew the yeah. Lions. So it's the Lions plus three and a half? It was. I, I looked recently it's plus three, so there must be some Lions money coming in on some, some sharps are taking the Lions action. Uh, I like the under in this game too. I think under is a great play. I don't I see a lot of field goals. I don't think uh I don't think the uh the, there's going to be too much too many touchdowns on this uh scoring here. I mean, you've got Andy Dalton and a, a, a patchwork offensive line. You you might mm-hmm. have Jared Goff. Uh you know, even the Bears defense uh even though they're without some of their beef up front, they still were able to hold the the Ravens down, but the Ravens aren't really that team either this year. I don't know. They're they're hanging out in that division. The quarterback. We should mention yeah. that. I'll yeah. tell you though, the, the kid the kid that played on on Sunday was just as good. Uh, Huntley Huntley made a lot of plays. I mean, there was a time when he was like sixteen for seventeen passing, uh, throwing. You know, he, he didn't yeah, miss he many passes. Mitch looked good in the preseason too. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> he, uh, he uh, 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 he made a lot of plays with his leg escaping. Uh, Tyler Huntley is the kid's name. He was high school teammates with Lamar Jackson. They both grew up in Florida, uh, played on the same high school team. I think Lamar Jackson was a wide receiver on that team, and Huntley was the quarterback. Uh, and I think it was Lamar Jackson that convinced the uh, Ravens to sign Tyler Huntley, you know, in a backup capacity. And, you know, I mean, they're, they're almost – they're very similar players, Lamar Jackson and Tyler Huntley. So uh, I, uh, I I didn't have high hopes for the game. I, I I thought it was very winnable. I thought that the Bears might it would come down to the last play. Whoever had the ball last would, you know, get the last score and win the game. But uh, okay. I, I I think I think I think Detroit is going to be a, a tougher game than the Ravens game. The Bears. I you know I I was telling somebody um, that I always root for the Bears to win, but I don't always bet on the Bears to win. 
And so while yeah. I really, really want them to win. Were you just putting a bet in on the Lions? On your phone? It was three and a half. It was three and a half. I'm laying 50 bucks. Yeah, I know. <laughs> yeah. Hey, guys, I got to run to the washroom. So I am going to uh, trust that you two guys will not get very intimate and start talking sex without me. Okay. Right. <laughs> I, I do need to ask Dan a question. Uh, I forgot, Dan, last week we were talking Christmas movies, I think, and he mentioned one. I forgot what it was. because my The night before. Okay, I'm writing that down because my wife my wife was asking me for some Christmas movies for us to watch. This, you can't uh, watch that one with the kids. That one's no. Great. Right. Really, really this, dirty. Is what I'm saying. With my Please wife. Yeah. With the family. Right. No, we've got like, you know, the uh, Christmas story and Polar Express to watch with the kids. But uh, I, I was uh, uh, last night. I watched uh, the uh, a sports movie called King Richard on HBO Max. I mean, you don't know if you haven't have seen it yet. Really excellent movie with Will Smith. I'll, I'll be surprised if he doesn't get nominated uh, for this, because he was really excellent. I, I love the character and I hated the character. Yeah, it's about uh, Richard Richard Williams and uh, Serena and Venus Williams. Yeah, yeah, story. I heard about it. I didn't see it, but go ahead. I'm sorry. I loved it. I did not. I had very low expectations, but I figured, hey, it's a sports movie. I like sports movies, and uh, Will Smith was really excellent. Man, I'll be surprised if he doesn't get nominated. Like I said, uh, a very good movie. You'll you'll like hate the character and you'll love the character that he plays of Richard Williams. You know, there's a good cast too. There's uh, uh, I, I forget the gal's name who plays uh, uh, his wife Anjanu Williams or something. She's excellent. Or Anjanu. Uh, I can't remember the last name. She's very good. And then you got John Bernthal and Tony Goldwyn uh, as tennis coaches. And uh, the girls who play the young uh, Williams sisters are really good too. But I mean, I, I was not bored for a second in the movie. Really enjoyed the story. Uh, it was some great, great moments in the, in the, uh, in the movie too, as well. So I would recommend it if you like sports movies uh, and you like good acting. Uh, it's called you, King, King Richard. Fundamentally disappointed me, and and I'd be interested to hear your opinion. I thought he was dreadful as Muhammad Ali. I mean, I thought he was terrible. Yeah, I haven't seen that one to be honest. I, I missed it. Horrible. He was horrible. Like he didn't sound like him. He didn't particularly look like him, but he definitely didn't sound like him. I just thought yeah, his performance was absolutely dreadful. I really yeah, uh, ask Aldo that when he comes back. Um, I was. I was going to ask you, you know, I mean, uh, the Bears and and Ravens. Uh, what was your? And I know you're really you were you were upset after the game, oh. but uh, uh, were, were, did you go? In, you went into the game thinking we had a good chances because Baltimore, you know, is beatable. You know, like all of us. I, I heard on uh, Waddle and Sylvie. I was listening when I was cleaning my house Saturday night uh, after midnight. I was listening to Waddle and Sylvie from Friday. And uh, they had an interesting conversation that I was thinking about going into the game. Sylvie was taking his kids, and one of his young kids had never been to Soldier Field yet. So they were really excited and stoked. So he asked Waddle, uh, he basically said, if the Bears lose 38-31 to 31 and Justin Fields plays great, I would rather have that than the Bears win 16-9 to 9 and Fields look bad. So I disagreed with that, 
but it must have been his worst nightmare thinking that they played he played terribly and they lost and he got hurt but going into it i wanted the bears to win i thought they could win it actually made me feel a sense of doom when jackson wasn't playing because i was thinking god we always make the backup quarterback look like a fucking hall of famer <laughs> So I, I, but I still thought we could win and uh, it, the game was so sloppy and even Santos missed a field goal. And it's just like, damn. And, and it just it's bizarre plays like that fucking wildcat and the two point conversion. And I don't know, man, it just feels like that game was ours to win and he gave it away. At last, last week's show, I said that the bears plus five and a half would be a good bet. And you know, that, that would have won. But yep. before game time, the line got down to Bears plus one because it was announced that Lamar Jackson was not going to play. So if if last week after after the last Tuesday after the show, if you put in your bet for Bears plus five and a half, you were happy. Uh, but uh, this week, I, I think, uh, I don't know, man. I, I don't have high expectations for the Bears against uh, the Lions, man. They played the Browns tough. They played the Steelers tough. Uh, like, hate the Lions or not. Uh, they play hard for their coach, and I just don't see the Bears playing as hard for Matt Nagy as the Lions players play for Dan Campbell. That's a great point. That's a great point. Uh, I, I think that the, the that honeymoon that Campbell still has with those players is still strong with, with the Bears. I mean, you know, why is it somebody posted something really cool the other day? The Bears always play – uh, better in the the Bears' offense always plays better in the second half, but their defense plays worse in the second half. What is that all about, guys? Yeah, <laughs> it's true. Defense is taking that siesta, as Dan likes to say. Yeah, and they always the defenders always say like, ah, oh, they they're tired, they're tired. It it doesn't matter. Fields can have like sixteen play drives and just be scoring points like in Pittsburgh, and still when they're counted on. They they don't show up in the second half. They truly don't. I, I just I don't know if it's Sean Desai, it's Matt Nagy, if it's players. It's just I'm just done with it. But let me ask you before I have to go, Aldo, because you were gone. You bet. I said we were talking briefly. We talked about movies because he said he highly recommended the movie where Will Smith plays uh, Richard Williams, the Williams sisters' father. Right. Can and I Richard. said that in my opinion, I didn't see that one, but. I thought Will Smith was absolutely terrible as Muhammad Ali. I thought he sounded horrible. He didn't sound like him, didn't particularly look like him, and it was fundamentally miscast, and I hated the movie because of Will Smith. What do you think? I wish I could tell you I had seen it, but like the two, I have not seen that. And I'm almost embarrassed to say that because I'm a big Ali fan. I'm a big Will Smith fan. But I think what happened to me was that I read a couple of reviews that were similar to your opinion on Will Smith's performance and because i like will so much i didn't want to see him in a performance that he he would wouldn't meet my expectations now i will say this that uh from time to time i have seen it play on cable and i've kind of you know stopped and watched it for about 30 60 90 seconds whatever and yeah his performance I, I, especially a scene that i saw with him the Ali character and Bundini Brown, who was played by Jamie Fox, right? Am I right? Jamie Fox, right? Played Bundini Brown. I think so. I haven't watched it since like 2005. Yeah. It, it, Jamie Fox had the bald spot like Brown did. And so any, anyway, 
I thought that the acting from these two heavyweights, pun intended, uh, of of motion pictures, was really surprisingly kind of weird. You know, a lot of times when you're playing historical characters, it's really really tough for the actors, and that was the impression that I got a couple of times while watching little clips. But I'm going to give it a chance someday, um, and hopefully I'll I'll enjoy it more than you. Yeah, it's just too bad. Like, if it had been made earlier, and maybe I'm just saying this because of the hurricane, if they'd have made that in the early 90s, like Denzel could have pulled that off. Denzel Washington, when he was in shape, yeah, man. He could have pulled that off. Oh, my gosh. Did he you would have sounded like him, too. He would have sounded like him. if he Like, he would have worked on his voice and sounded like him. What was the uh, he played Hurricane Carter in a movie? Yeah, the Hurricane. Yeah, and I think that was like '99. So right. excellent performance. Yeah, oh, yeah, yeah. yeah. It, I, I, they always said historically it wasn't accurate, and I couldn't verify or contradict that. You know, I don't know. Mm-hmm. I thought that it was the movie made me cry though. Yeah, well, I, and I'm sure they captured the essence of this guy who was thrown in the jail for something he didn't commit and and lost a good deal of his life. Um, you, you, you like sports movies though, right? Aldo, I love them, fucking love them. Yeah, you'll love, you'll like King Richard then, man. I will tell you, it's a uh, it's a great sports movie. Have to go, but let me make my last pitch to you on there about this because I just told you briefly last night. Okay. Um, again, it's on Turner Classic this month. Uh, but I've always liked this movie. I had it on VHS. I taped it on HBO when I was a kid on VCR. I had it on DVD when it first came on DVD in like two thousand. And for some reason, critics hated this film, but I thought it was solid. It's called Stealing Home, and it pl- uh, Mark Harmon plays the older version of the main character. See, essentially, oh. it's nonlinear, and the main character is like 37. He's kind of washed up, just living with some girl he doesn't care about, and he had all this talent, and he let it wither away. You don't really exactly know why, but he's sort of stuck in a rut, you know? Mm-hmm. And he gets news that the first girl that he ever loved committed suicide, which is played by Jodie Foster. Mm-hmm. And it's the as we find out later, it's the first girl he fucked. She was his babysitter. And he, you know, as he got older and started going into puberty, naturally he was always around her. So, you know, he liked her. And of mm-hmm. course she had no interest in him yet. She's like 17 when he's like 12. But by the time he's 17 or 18, like, when I think it's after in the movie his dad dies, he quits baseball. Mm-hmm. So he has all this potential. He's already signed a minor like a contract with the Phillies to play minor league baseball mm-hmm. to go to start in the rookie league. But his dad dies, and like he quits, you know. And but that's kind of when Jody Foster feels bad for him and fucks him. He loses his virginity. But the movie's nonlinear. It's playing sound. It's playing a lot of. Um, flashbacks into the early 60s because the movie's from 88, 89. So it's supposed to be in the middle 60s when all his youth was basically, or the late 60s. Mm-hmm. So you got a great soundtrack, great acting, great flashbacks. Like when he, his uh, his friend is played by Jonathan Silverman, uh, who was in like Weekend at Bernie's opposite Andrew McCarthy. And uh, like there, he's just so desperate to lose his virginity. And so you have this coming of age kind of tale. They're both seeing women for the first time. Oh. It leads to all this stuff that he goes through and his dad dying. And it's, it's so sad and authentic. And, uh, but he has to relive all this stuff in thought because he rides a bus 
back home and he's like, what do I do with Katie's ashes? You know, like, why did she choose me for this? So you live all of it through his memories, through flashback. And it's really, really like, it's a good film. It's somewhat sports related. It is, but it's, it's deep and dramatic. And I thought it was great. He said, you got Harold Ramis from Caddyshack and uh, Ghostbusters uh, that plays the older version of Jonathan Silverman later in the film opposite Mark Harmon. And you got Jodie Foster. It's a solid film. It truly is. I think it's great. I will definitely check it out. It's funny because uh, yeah, I haven't seen that either. I got to see that. Yeah, I'm running the trailer as he's describing the movie. And so many of the things that he's saying are, are syncing up with what the scenes that we're seeing in the trailer. So definitely looks like uh, one to, to find because you say it's on Turner Classic Movies this month. Yeah, it's on TCM right now. I love and TCM. like I said, I haven't personally seen it on TV since like HBO showed in the late 80s and early 90s. Oh. So I was pretty excited to see it. Like I said, I've got it on DVD, uh, but everyone kind of shit on it. Like every, you know, back in the day when TV Guide was a big deal for everybody, yeah, it would always would show it on HBO and it would have like the one and a half stars. Or I'm like, well, this movie's so good. Mm -hmm. Like it, it's drama, it's baseball, it's it's life, it's the pursuit of every boy in your teenage. Like, will you ever get any pussy? You know, and like you yeah. got a good soundtrack. You got to deal with death, all these things coming of age, man. That's what it, it's a really good coming of age film uh, for two teenage boys. And it, it, it's it's solid, man. It's I don't know why people hated it. It's uh, when you say coming of age, <laughs> <when you, laughs> I immediately start getting wild. Oh. <laughs> Get out of here. Go to work. Go save some lives, amigo. Yeah, man, I thought this was a good show. I hope everybody so else agrees. Uh, we, I, I, I had a lot of fun. <laughs> Please me, and I'm happy. <laughs> well, let me, last thing I got to ask, Tooch, if you had to bet your yes, money sir. right now on Friday, is Nagy the coach on Friday? Do the Bears fire him on Friday? You have to put your money up right now. What do you think? Uh, I, I would I would have said no before that closed door meeting with the McCaskies. Now I would lean towards yes, that Friday he will be gone because, yeah. you know, this is like uh, uh, thinking it into action now because uh, of the, uh, it wasn't a true story, but uh, the story went out there and now it's, you know, circumstances will have, are starting to make it come true, but there's no other choice. You know, I, I, I actually see the bears losing this game. So I would, I would think that the Bears. This might be the first time they fire a coach, and like Aldo said, they get a head, you know, a, a jump start on on interviewing the next coach. It makes sense. Well, I'll do the last question. You bet. I, I got to go. A, I think you should put up a poll and see what everyone thinks with the bar. It'd be interesting. Do you think Nagy's gone after after the Lions game? But Aldo, also, Aldo and I put wait, up polls during your story already. We got no polls left. <laughs> <laughs> Your sex story. The general feel is from the rest of like whether Greg or, or Mike North, what do you think? What is the general consensus from the rest of the bar room? Yeah, I, I am going. Well, uh, Dan, are you and you and I still planning on doing a show after the, the oh, I'd love to. Yeah, yeah, I'd love to. All right, so here's what we're going to do. Uh, Dan and I, uh, and anybody else is welcome to join us after the game, uh, the turkey game. I know uh, people will be eating and so forth, but to kind of con continue our tradition of always doing a post-game or after-game show, 
Uh, Dan and I are going to do so, and maybe we'll have some surprise guests. So, Dan, you you and I will talk about that. We'll not only talk about the game, but we'll talk about what the latest is in the Matt Nagy situation. We'll talk about what other people in the bar room are feeling. I'll reach out to Mike North and Greg Gabriel and John Buffone and blah, blah, blah. Maybe we'll get some, a little video as well. And I promise to have some video of Heidi, who I'm having uh, lunch with tomorrow. So uh, maybe we'll... Uh, have some fun with her and uh, have her participate in some way, somehow. So yeah, um, you get out of here, man, go save some lives. Make sure that uh, you don't uh, tell the fireman to go to the wrong address. <laughs> I won't, but la my last thing is <laughs> just keep in mind for Thursday, time. I won't have access to my professional equipment. So I'll just have to use my phone and go through Streamyard, I guess. Yeah, that, that'll be fine. We've done it before with so many other people. Um, uh, People want your personality, not those that 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 great voice behind that professional microphone. All right. Well, if we can pull it off, I hope that it uh, is successful. Yep. So I'm sure we will, brother. Bye, Danny. Right. See you later, man. You all have a good Thanksgiving too. We will. Likewise, brother. All you right, too. Johnny Santucci. Okay. I want to. Uh, we, we couldn't ask for better news breaking before uh, before a Tuesday show, Aldo. <laughs> oh my goodness! I am telling you, man. I've been running ragged trying to stay on top of it. At, at one point, I'm saying to myself, you know what? I'm editing together all this stuff from Sunday and Monday, where there's like tons of material to find about what's going on with all the latest news with the Chicago Bears. So it was kind of a strange uh, pre prep uh, time for me hey i want to um i want to play something for you uh back in the days of a hundred proof we used to do a lot of parody songs i'm sure the folks over at tape never lies are still doing them it's a specialty of uh draft dr phil nobody does them better uh that i know of anyway um i like to do them but i'm awful at it but I was smoking some marijuana the other day, and I said, you know what? I feel like doing a fucking parody. <laughs> oh, boy. <laughs> Tell me if you can hear this. <laughs> Pace and Nagy, Pace and Nagy. Go together like Mo and Larry. This I tell you, brother. <laughs> the fuckers probably have the same mother. Pace and Nagy, Pace and Nagy. Both the futures looking awfully shaky. Ask my buddy Dan. He'll tell you both should be can try, try, try to fantasize that both are done this season. Try, try, try and get it done before the end of the season. Uh, that was great. I was really drunk, man, that day. That was awesome. <laughs> Wait, I got another one here. Hold on a second. <laughs> Come and listen to my story about a team named the Bears. They once had greats like Peyton and Sayers. And then after Ditka and the 85 Bears, they started to suck and now no one cares. <laughs> That's where we are now. That's about it. 
Well, here we all are in 2021. The Bears play the Lions and need to win one. I'm so fed up that if they don't win, I will probably commit the ultimate sin. I'm not talking suicide. Fuck that. I'm talking about letting my wife watch the games with me. Not caring, reading a book during the games. Taking a shit when it's not a commercial. <laughs> oh, yeah. That's what we've come to. Oh, man. What do you think, John? That was great. You'll ever get to a point yeah. where you just say, fuck this, man. I'm not even going to watch the game. Uh, I, You know, I, 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 yeah, I, I, hard, I had a hard time watching this last game. Uh, I, uh, not, not only because the, the, the broadcast, it was on, it was over the airwaves on, in Iowa here. And, uh, it was, you know, normally, uh, we don't, we don't always get the bears game because, you know, usually they, they play, uh, the Vikings games are so close to Minneapolis sure, makes or, sense. uh, or the chiefs games, you know, so being so close to Kansas city, uh, but occasionally we get the, the bears game it was on, but the, uh, the d- signal was terrible. So, you know, I would watch it on my phone. Oh, no. You know, it was just better, you know, watching it uh, online through uh, uh, NFL Sunday ticket. But uh, I had a hard time watching this one just, you know, because to, to me it's just like, uh, you know, this, it, it, it's so over, you know, and I'm just like, it's the same old stuff. See, the thing for know? me, though, John, is that I still find some of the storylines interesting. So, for oh, yeah. You know, Fields gets injured and Andy Dalton comes in. And so I'm like fascinated by it. Well, let's see what Andy can do with the offense. So what does he do? Very first pass. It's a beautiful pass to tight end Jimmy Graham. And Jamie mm-hmm. Graham is probably thinking to himself, holy shit, the motherfucker looked at me. And and then the very next play, he throws the wide receiver screen and Darnell Mooney runs, what, 60-some yards, 70 yards for a touchdown. And so – that storyline, I'm thinking to myself, okay, now everybody's going to say that Dalton should be the quarterback over Fields and so forth. And then as the game progresses, Dalton starts to have his problems. He starts to look like mediocre. And the other touchdown that he scored late in the game was a bullshit defensive call by um, uh, Wink Martindale, whatever the fuck his name is from the Ravens, the defensive coordinator, as Boomer Esiason said in those clips that he played. <laughs> he's just Martindale. overly aggressive. And so you, you're trying to protect against a touchdown and you're having uh, a coverage like that. So, you know, yeah. there's all these storylines. And so I'm always, I always get sucked into all that stuff. But in terms of like, I'm not sure I'm ever going to buy some Bears you know, t-shirts or hats again. Fuck that. I'll wear more barroom stuff because it's like, why should I spend my money on this organization that is so fucking dysfunctional? Yeah, I don't I don't need to buy any Bears stuff. In fact, uh, the only the Bears gear I bought recently are stuff I found in the secondhand stores. You know, if I see a, yeah. if I see a Bears, you know, shirt, jersey, or hat, uh, I, I grab it in the... Uh, in the resale shop consignment or that's the way to do it. That's the way to do it. I found this, uh, George Hallis bobblehead. (laughs) It was like 20 bucks. I said, gotta fucking get that. (laughs) So look at how upset he is. I love it. Yeah. He's rolling. He's spinning in his grave, man. (laughs) (laughs) It's like, I don't know. I don't know where he's buried, but people that live across from the cemetery ain't getting no sleep. <laughs> somebody, somebody, <laughs> that's funny. Somebody once said, uh, 
I think it was online and social media when Muggs Hallis died. That was the end of the franchise. Now, it's not quite true. They went on to win a Super Bowl after that. But it did seem from the reports that I've read was that Muggs Hallis was the guy most prepared to take over the organization from a family standpoint. And uh, but unfortunately, he died early. And so he, he never got that opportunity. But um, it does seem like Ed McCaskey's sons, Virginia's sons. Boy, oh, boy, they're just not doing a good job. And, and George is, is joining that lineage of McCaskey fuck ups. If he doesn't clean, clear up this thing and, and, yeah. and try to get a winner as quickly as possible. And, you know, that might be uh, what, you know, George was doing in today's meeting after after the uh, morning practice or before the, you know, before Nagy canceled the afternoon meetings and stuff. Mm-hmm. Uh, but when you played that clip and you saw, uh, you know, bookish Mike McCaskey, you know, uh, uh, dancing around the reporter's questions, you know, you're just yeah. like this guy, he can't run anything, <laughs> you know? And then, you know, you kind of saw like maybe George, George McCaskey has got a little meatball, more meatball in him than, Mike, mm-hmm. Michael McCaskey probably has no meatball in him. Let's just let's just put it out there. <laughs> For sure. Nothing. Right? There's, there's no meatball fan out there in, in Michael. You know, Yale, you know, Yale doesn't allow that stuff. But uh um uh George looks like maybe he got a you know, maybe he got a little uh a fan meat, meat meatball fan in him, you know. You, you heard him screaming. We had that scream drop, mm-hmm. you know, go bears, a really loud <laughs> right. one, you know, you're like uh yeah. You know, we had our hot, our hopes up, but recently it's been, you know, uh, leaking, you know, these whispers leaking and stories leaking and mm-hmm. talking behind the back. It's just been more of the same, you know, or it appears to be more of the same. I guess we'll find out Friday. Uh, but the whole thing about like, <laughs> I find I found it so ridiculous today. Like, hey, uh, you know, uh, Matt, can I get a word? You know, we're uh, <laughs> We're gonna we're gonna let you go Friday. You know, but... <laughs> Clear out your office, but we gotta put one more game. One, one more game. <laughs> Can you do that for us? You know, <laughs> that just, I mean, yeah. and that does happen in some corporations. Like I was yeah. part of a yeah. organization where they told everybody, not everybody, but the the people that were letting go. Yeah, we're letting you go in August. We we know. That it's February, and so we wanted to give you some time to start looking for work and so forth. And um, from from one aspect, you know, from a corporate standpoint, in in a, in a middle class people like us, we're thinking, oh well, at least I got a job here for the next eight nine months, and so it allows me some time to get my shit together. But that doesn't that doesn't really help people like Matt Nagy. Yeah, we want you to stick around for another few days and stuff. That's just not the way it's done. Not the way it's it's so ridiculous. It's yeah. Like, By the way, Michael McCaskey, you said that he was kind of did you use the word bookish? Yeah. yeah. Bookish. So he did write a book. Did you know that? He wrote right. a book called The Executive Challenge, Managing yeah. Change and Ambiguity. Maybe they should fucking read that book now. <laughs> that's that's what needs to happen here is properly yeah. manage it. I, I would never read that book. <laughs> no, <laughs> no. no just, I've but, lived it, so I don't I don't need to fucking read that book. But um, I mean, do you think let me ask you a question? Do you think like after today's whatever botch, whatever whatever got botched up, if it was a botch, you know, botched job by uh yeah. by, Bears, by Bears management team, uh do you think uh they'll learn any lessons 
from this. Like, hey, I guess we don't know what we're doing. Let's hire somebody that does. Well, that that is um, a really, really, really good point because this thought flashed into my mind for about three seconds, and so it's it's not fully baked yet. But maybe the changes need to be that you need a new chairman. You know, we've been saying a new uh, president of right. operations replaced Ted Phillips. Why not replace George McCaskey with somebody outside the family? Let's go out and. I don't know who, but, you know, bring in a whole new chairman, somebody who has had success at the NFL level, who has the executive experience to work with city governments, to manage an organization with a president and GM and coaches and so forth. Maybe the changes need to start start at the very top. We know they're not going to sell the team until they're ready to sell the team, but there's no stopping them from Virginia for, for Virginia to, you know, say, Kids, you fucked this up long enough. Let's bring in my my good friend. We, we need uh, fucking Elon yeah. Musk. <laughs> yes, exactly. Elon Musk. Please. Get the rocket yeah. ship to take off. Rocket ship bears. <laughs> Don't that be cool? <laughs> but yeah, maybe that maybe uh yeah, Toa says that you know what happened to those rumors of Jeff Bezos buying the team. Je- uh, Jeff Bezos allegedly right. was at Hallis Hall and so who knows what was going on in that mm-hmm. meeting. Could be that he wants to help finance the stadium, maybe he wants to buy the team. Yeah, maybe yeah. he really wasn't there. <laughs> I, I don't know, but hopefully we'll get some more information on that. Yeah, I mean uh uh it, 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 in my opinion, the guy owns too much already. But hey, mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, maybe maybe it may be a good thing. Bezos I, Memorial Stadium complex I, in Arlington Park. I am with you on him owning too much already. Right. Uh, Gary says, "What about Greg Gabriel for team president?" And I asked Greg Gabriel that on our last show, and he says he admitted, "I'm totally underqualified." But if they offered me the job, fucking a, I take it. Those were his words. <laughs> <laughs> and, and, and PJ, we also talked about Champ Kelly. I asked Greg Gabriel, "What do you know about Champ Kelly?" And um, and he said, you know, I've heard a lot of good things about him. I don't really know him. I've met him a couple of times, but Champ Kelly is a guy who will be a general manager uh, for either the Chicago Bears or probably some other NFL team. He's he's a highly sought after guy, and I bet you he'll be doing a lot of interviewing coming up. So while, while we're juggling Bears management <laughs> positions around here, yeah. uh, you know, people have for years been, well, Ted Phillips is the problem. Yeah, but the the fish rots from the head. Yes. You know, the, the McCaskey uh, kids, George and and, and Michael. Uh, Michael is no longer with us, right? He passed away. I think he passed. Like, Correct. He passed away. But there's so two got, other McCaskey sons on the board uh, as okay. presidents. Right. Then, and I wouldn't say that they're you know football people like you know uh, breaking down tape and knowing you know dissecting and knowing diagnosing what's wrong with the team. Right, but uh, uh, and of course Ted Phillips also in that same vein. Mm-hmm. So I, I've always been under the impression that uh, you know they that Ted Phillips doesn't really make any football decisions, you know. Correct. But, but uh, if if moving him to just uh, like say chief financial officer and is in charge of getting this Arlington uh, Heights Arlington Park uh, Stadium deal done, and uh, uh, not you know, being having anything to do with the football side, this is okay. Ted, you're no longer, you know, vice president or of whatever. You're going to be chief financial officer. 
you know this you did the you did the soldier field reboot mm -hmm. uh you're just gonna take care of this you know and then maybe uh, uh retire you know shortly after that or take a take us a, a small you know advisory position right you know, with the same salary perhaps or he just you know oh, yeah. comes it comes into the office like old times right. and they hire somebody who's you know a football person you know knows football knows the game people are saying let's let's move ryan pace into that position i'm kind of like no yeah because he's he's not an he's not an older guy he's a young guy i don't think he has quite the experience when i think of a person who's good at diagnosing the game and knowing all facets of a game and can uh you know diagnose what's right i don't think of ryan pace i'll tell you that I, I totally agree, but it does seem like they've been grooming him to replace Ted Phillips. So, yeah. for instance, you know, handle the uh, uh, management of the new Hallis Hall renovation, a hundred million dollar project. And so if yeah. indeed he was the major day to day project manager of that, that is a great education for now working with city governments for a new stadium and so forth. Whether he's capable of doing that, I don't know. Apparently, the Hallis Hall renovation, everybody talks highly about it. So apparently, he did a good yeah, job yeah. there. But can he work with city uh, municipalities and all the other business aspects that Ted Phillips takes care of? Ted Phillips right, has right. like a master's degree in finance, and 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 that's what his specialty is: is making money. And so they they will only offer Ryan Pace that job if he can prove to them or convince them that don't worry about it. The money's going to continue to come in just like it was with Ted. And it's going to come in even more because of everything that's going on with revenue generating opportunities for us. So yeah. that is, you know, a, definitely a possibility. Although, you know, I don't know for sure, but getting back to what we were talking about, like you said, you know, the, the fish rots from the head up. You know, I, I think that this is, this could be Virginia. God bless her. You know, I saw her. She was so happy when the Bears scored a touchdown and went, went ahead. Yeah. And maybe she needs to just set her foot down and say, okay, Michael tried it. George tried it. Now I'm I'm ready. Let's bring in somebody else from the outside to lead all the operations. Would be good. Would be cool if that happened, but I, I don't think it will. She probably at her age, she doesn't want to upset the family and, and, and have them go through the embarrassment of having another son fired from the job. So I'm just, you know, I'm just speculating yeah, yeah. here, but it's not an ugly, it's not a pretty situation. Right. And of course, there's always those rumors of uh, uh, people, shareholders of the Bears wanting to sell, you know, or force a sale of the team. You mm -hmm. know, we, we may see that. You know, you may you may see that. You may see enough of, uh, enough of the uh, shareholders come forward you know, and, and, and force a sale, you know, mm -hmm. maybe even George McCaskey uh, agrees with it. Yeah. At the, well, at this there, point. Have, there have been stories that some of the family members want to sell, but yeah. that they were waiting for Virginia to pass because they didn't want, you know, she's so proud of the fact right. that her father's deal. And, you know, he, he basically started the NFL and so, you know, it would hurt her a lot to see the team. Might be the only reason they're still holding on to it. I got a feeling that's a big part of it yeah. because when they sell this thing, it's, we're talking three to four, maybe $5 billion. 
Yeah. Who can afford that? Oh, Jeff Bezos. Not the city of Chicago, Deborah. What <laughs> <laughs> a fucking stupid thing that uh, Well, I mean, it's like, uh, would they like to buy it? Sure. I don't, the, the city of Chicago doesn't exactly uh, strike me as, as uh, an organization that's in the black. No, <laughs> no. They fucking mishandle the pay meter thing. Don't, you know, yeah, keep them far away from uh, buying any of the sports teams that I love. Talk about people that don't know anything about football. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. Oh my God. Right. <laughs> Lori Lightfoot in charge of the Bears for oh fuck's my sake. <laughs> you know what's interesting is um you and I are gonna wake up in the morning. I got a 9 a.m. show here at the bar room uh to direct the bar down talking hockey. You've got to get up early to go to work. Yeah. But the first thing that we're gonna do is we're gonna look at social media and see if Matt Nagy submitted his resignation first thing Wednesday morning. I might look right after the show. (laughs) (laughs) I might look right now. (laughs) Yeah. Oh, that's funny. All right, man. I got to pull the plug on this. It's been a long, long day for me. You are the man, brother. You came in here and uh, handled everything behind the scenes, allowed me to kind of get my little breather and concentrate on what the. Mr. Uh, Dan added some color to the uh, Bears situation. Yeah. Uh, uh, Trying try to read between the lines and stuff. But <laughs> yeah. uh, uh, I, I have been, I, man, I had a hell day yesterday. I worked from like 6 30 in the morning to 6 30 at night. And I had uh, Entertainment Weekly releasing uh, and Midwest Living both releasing yesterday, as long as uh, another magazine, too, that anti inflammation, something that you and I. Uh, are interested in all though as we get older oh but my uh, i had three magazines releasing yesterday at work uh the january issue of a chain week we have the Who's matrix, on the matrix oh nice keanu and carrie ann very lovely lovely shots oh. of uh very uh drawn out kind of like a faint green uh pale green uh uh series of uh shots for the cover story and uh, I think you'll get a kick out of some of the articles in there too. And uh, did uh, you work a, on a, the uh, present uh, Entertainment Weekly with, the, with Will Smith and the yeah. on the cover? I, I do them all. Yep. Yeah. The Williams sisters. That was uh, last month or yeah, this month, right? November. Yeah, it's out right in now. November. Yeah. Yeah. It last week. Yeah, it's an excellent yep. issue. Yeah. Yeah, and I'm telling you, great movie. I think you'll enjoy it as far as you know if you love sports movies. And uh, he was actually you're gonna you're gonna love the character and hate the character at the same time, which I think is really hard for an actor to do. Yes, you know that's a great so, point. So I was like, sometimes like this guy's great. Then like this guy's such a fucking dick. And I'd be like, what the heck? He's such a pain in the ass. Ah, oh, but he's such a great father too. It's like <laughs> you're just like yeah. It was it was very inspirational. I love the kids. You know, I love the story. It was excellent, man. King Richard on HBO Max. I saw Serena interviewed about it, and she talked about how emotional it was to yeah. see her. I got a little teary myself, man. Yeah. So it's, it's a happy, feel-good movie, you know. I'm I'm anxious to yeah. take a look at it, and, and I might it. give uh, Will Smith a shot in that Ali movie. We'll, uh, we'll put that in the queue as well. I have to watch it. <laughs> I got I handed to... a baby bottle by one of the toddlers, so I, ah, you, I think that, I think that's you know... some kind of message. Although, <laughs> get to work, brother. Uh, no bourbon. Fun. <laughs> that doesn't apply to me does it? no no that's for the toddler <laughs> uh thanks for everything you do for the ballroom brother uh, have a happy happy thanksgiving and yep, you too happy happy holidays everybody please tell the wife uh and the kids that i uncle aldo said happy thanksgiving i will i will do you, do you want to say hi to uncle aldo real quick yeah bring her on 
three-year-old Camilla. Hi. Hi, uh, Camilla. Hi. Hi, wave. Hi. <laughs> Uncle Aldo. How are you? You are way past your bedtime. That's Camilla. She's three. <laughs> oh, uh, man. And the other one's yeah. fast asleep, right? Yeah. Yeah. She had a rough day at kindergarten today, or a long day at kindergarten. Not rough, but she <laughs> loves school. She's like... Uh, She's all school. She just loves it. Girls going there, uh, learning, doing everything. Just can't wait to go to school. Yeah. Well, so. you gotta you gotta love that when your kids love school. That's uh, that's a half the battle there. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. All right, brother. Uh, have a yep. great Thanksgiving. We'll be in touch. You too. Happy holidays. Thanks. Yeah. Uh, oh, by the all way, right. you got a, you got one more betting tip for us before we go go away. Uh, like I said, I love the under in the Bears Lions okay. game. Under. Okay. Uh, I'm not sure what the line is right now. I also would take the Lions. Plus three. Uh, yeah, I, mean, uh, I already did that. Three, three, yeah, <laughs> three, three and a half. Yeah, uh, uh, I, I, uh, I, my my top bet last week was the Colts plus seven. Oh versus my the, gosh! Uh, versus the t- uh, Titans just blew them out, right? Yes, send uh, Jonathan Taylor a uh, thank you present. <laughs> right. I have five touchdowns. Yeah. All right, go feed that little one, brother. All right, take care, Aldo. You got it. <laughs> All right, I'm going to uh, just say to everybody that um, tomorrow's Wednesday. It's Bar Down Hockey at 9 a.m. The Parisi brothers, actually, Joey Parisi will not be there, but uh, uh, the, our new addition to the show, um, it will be there with Vinny, and so they will talk NHL hockey. And then uh, tomorrow night, we've got a, a new episode of Pass the Mic that will premiere tomorrow night, and then it'll uh, – other than that, it'll be a little bit quiet until our after-game show on Thursday. Uh, Dan Aguirre and myself and maybe some other barroom people can uh, separate themselves from the dinner table and talk uh, Bears football immediately after that game. And whenever, if there is a change in the Matt Nagy situation, if he does resign, if he is uh, fired, whatever it is, uh, follow us here in the bar room. We'll assemble some of the characters uh, from the bar room network to comment on that. And uh, we, of course, would love to interact with you live on our chat room. So uh, other than that, it will probably be a fairly quiet week here at the bar room, but we'll keep you posted. And the best way to know what's going on is to hit that like button here on our YouTube channel and hit the bell. You'll get notices on your devices that we're on or just follow us at at Barroom Network on the Twitter machine. Uh, I, th- I think that's it. You morons! Oh, stop it, Ed. Uh, <laughs> I will play the closing theme and we'll be out of here. Good night, everybody. Thank you for listening to Dan and Aldo Bear Their Souls. Make sure you subscribe to the Barroom Network and you give us a rating on iTunes. Until next week, my name is Nomsen. Bear down.